What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face, episode 378 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host for this gaming podcast, also the founder of Sifted. Alongside me to discuss all the awesome things in games for the week is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt? Hey. How's the week been going for you? Biden time until uh, Dune. Until Dune. When does that come out, actually? This week. Oh, this week. It's getting pretty good reviews, huh? Highest rated movie ever on IMDb. Not Whoa! That, not that that means anything, because, you know, you can review bomb, positive or negative, on IMDb, and it doesn't matter. Does it happen uh, a lot there? Yeah. Yeah. So usually it's negative. Usually it's people... Pissed you know, off. Review and... bombing movies that women are in, and things like that. <laughs> but uh, now everybody seems very happy about this one. Maybe it's just because, like, the, the, the chuds think it's not woke. Oh. Um, which it hasn't last, developed that reputation Which yet. will last exactly until uh, Villeneuve makes the third movie, because the... the Dune Messiah then it makes becomes... it pretty clear what, it, what he's actually saying. <laughs> it's good to see a movie scoring that high, though. I really liked the first one. I felt yeah. like I was kind of on an island about that, though. I felt like no one was talking about it. I saw it. I didn't go see it in the theater. Yeah. I saw it, like, later on on HBO or something. I was like, damn, this is awesome. Like, if I feel like no, people a, weren't talking about it. Hit. Did it do very well? Yeah, that's okay. how they got a second one. I mean... They green, didn't greenlight the second one until the second week of release. Oh, really? You didn't know if they were going to make it. Interesting. Which is good, because it was... It really is half a movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it ha- stops halfway through the book. I really enjoyed um, it, though. Yeah, it's very good. We just watched it on Saturday mm-hmm. again. For it holds up. Group. Yeah, it's great. I mean, Villeneuve has never made anything less than a good, a good movie. It's also Every, one of those films. Everything I found, he does is pretty much great at this point. Yeah, it's also one of those films I've found that I can start watching it like right in the middle and get hooked mm-hmm. into it and watch it till the end, mm-hmm. which to me is a sign of a, I wouldn't say a good movie, but a well-paced movie. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't do that, but. You never do? Just start watching a movie in the middle and keep watching no. it? How come? I hate it. Why? Like, because I want to watch the movie. Oh. It's start to finish. You're still entertained. I mean, to me, that's yeah. the purpose of film. Yeah, but I don't. I watch a movie because I want to see the whole story. I don't want to. I don't jump in the middle early. Well, I, I mean, wouldn't also, watch it for the first time that right. way. I only do it when I've already seen the film. I never do it. Interesting. I mean, I used to when things were on cable and TV was on and stuff. But and like, they have more now, control. Yeah, now I don't. I mean, I don't just have TV on at any given time. Like, I do for, like, things I want to watch. But, like, I don't even know if I even have movie stations anymore. On my cable. <laughs> I, probably, I probably have HBO in there somewhere. Who yeah. watches HBO anymore? I dropped HBO Max or just Max. I don't even have it I anymore. I still have HBO Max. I just... I don't. I dropped my subscription to it. And I haven't missed it. I dropped my subscription to Netflix several months ago. Haven't missed it mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, the. What do I still have? I don't. I think. I don't think I. I. I don't think I ever had Peacock. Yeah, well, I've never had it. Peacock. Yeah. I. I don't think I have Paramount anymore because I was just watching Star Trek on that, and that all slowed down a lot after everything. I mean, I'll probably pick it up again when they put new seasons of something out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did start Apple, which I didn't have before because I wanted to see. Uh, For all mankind and uh, the prehistoric planet and. Um, Ted Lasso mm-hmm. and uh, I got it for Ted Lasso. Watched two seasons and that was it. And what was the other? Oh, um, um, the stupid Monarch, the Godzilla MonsterVerse thing that was really bad. Mm-hmm. And there's a new, there's a new hotness on there now. I can't remember the name of it. Like something that just came out. It was like oh, on Apple. Yeah, there's a new hotness on Apple. Apple. A- Apple's weird. Actor loves Apple for some reason. Well, because they do a lot of really high quality stuff, and they don't really care. Doesn't seem like they market it that much. Well, that's the thing is, as John Oliver said, Apple TV, Apple TV Plus, where celebrities go to hide. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> that's it's good. things that happen on Apple. Like, 
the people that I know who are super plugged into all the streaming stuff, watch streaming stuff all the time, I'll be like, have you seen For All Mankind? And they're like, what's that? And it's like, huh. it's shocking to me because For All Mankind is one of the best shows I've Packer probably ever seen. Yeah. Like, it's really, really He good. really likes it. Yeah. But like, it's weird. Um, I wish I could remember the, the, uh, the new thing. That's, Someone uh, in chat, maybe. Maybe. What's up, everybody? Hope you guys have had a great Constellation. week. Constellation. That's it. Is that what yeah, it is? That's Constellation. Was is the new hotness on on Apple TV Plus? So is Matt Smike low again? Um, I boosted it way up last week. The final recording sounded great. Um, I might just be talking in the back of my throat right now. Maybe. Um, hope you guys are ha- having a good week. Hope you guys are excited to play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We're going to talk about that on today's show. I'm about four <laughs> the sigh from that. I'm about 40 hours into it. I haven't quite finished it yet. It is a gigantic game, but I will discuss everything that I've experienced so far. If you've played it for 40 hours, that mean I don't have to play it. You kind of actually don't have to if you don't want to. I mean, I mean you I'm know never what gonna, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm never. I'll say. Well, we'll wait till we get to the discussion. Yeah. You don't have to. Mm. I'll say that much. Now. <laughs> But anyway, we're discussing that on today's show. Um, a game that Matt brought up last week is something that's kind of hot. Actually, ended up catching fire after you talked about it on mm-hmm. Game Face. So we'll be discussing that on today's show. We're going to discuss Pacific Drive. We have an awesome episode for you guys. Also, some huge housekeeping. Oh, hey, Marcus. Is that Marcus Beer? Oh, my gosh. It's Marcus Beer. What's up, Marcus? How are you doing, brother? You can see him in chat. He is I am Beer. First time chat. The yeah. first time Marcus has ever chatted. He's been watching you the whole time, everyone. <laughs> there he is. I am beer. First time chat. Looking good, boys. Thanks, Marcus. Um, I would. I'll assume that I am. You're not patronizing us because <laughs> <laughs> I know you too damn well. Um, anyway, everyone, Marcus Beer is in our chat right now for Game Face. If you want to say hello to him, obviously a great friend of both Matt and I's and somebody that I partnered with for a long time and at the beginning of uh, Game Face and Sifted as well. Um, so, Marcus, welcome to our chat. We're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Head on over and maybe we'll get you into the show at some point if you're around at this time in this day of the week. Maybe we can get you in through Skype or something like that and get you in for a segment here and there. So, anyway... Welcome, Marcus. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you guys are all doing great as well. Um, Again, we have a big show. We have a lot of housekeeping to get to in today's episode. I don't want to wait too long because we do have like four games to discuss and a lot of housekeeping topics. A bunch of stuff just dropped this morning, Mm -hmm. like out of nowhere. (laughs) Um, Before we get going, though, I do want to thank you guys for Twitch Prime. Uh, Costakip, I think is how you say it. Um, Well, thank you for Twitch Prime. Who else we got in here getting in at the beginning of the show? Uh, let's see. David5807, thank you. Marcus, you can help us with Twitch Prime, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ferrodoll, thank you. for. Oh, look. Ferrodoll gifted a tier one sub to, to Marcus. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Good job, Ferrodoll. Welcome him as the best we can. Um, who else we got here for Twitch Prime? Uh, one Super Master Gamer, thank you. People talking about For All Mankind, saying it's great. Uh, Metal Gear Jimmy, thank you. Who else we got here? JM Rain 99 thank you. Sound Wizard, thank you for your sponsorship and for subscribing with Twitch Prime. Mellow Pintor, thank you for gifting a sub to Neo Geo 2K. Sleeping Turtle 3, thank you for Twitch Prime. You guys are awesome. Um, hello from Germany. Sven Kinderwater, I think that's how you say it. Kinder. Kinder. Kinderwater. Mm-hmm. Welcome to our show. Welcome to our chat. Uh, anything else? Itimbo. Thank you for Twitch Prime. And then I will forget to scroll back down to the bottom, and Matt will remind me of it in about five minutes. (laughs) 
but we do have a big show. Again, there was a bunch of big news bombs that dropped today. There was a bunch of stuff that happened yesterday. We probably don't want to wait. Going. Keep going. <laughs> you just click that little phase button there, and it'll jump you back down. There we go. All right, we're at the beginning. So we can keep track of you guys as we chat. Commander Fett, thank you for Twitch Prime. I see you got in there in the last minute. Um, okay, let's start talking about housekeeping here. Because we got a lot to get to, and I'm a little concerned that we won't get through everything in this show before we run out of time. First up, we're going to talk about PlayStation 5 Pro. We've been talking about this on the show now for, it feels like, five or six months at this point, Matt? At least. Something like that. Um, rumors have been swirling. Um, now is pretty much a done deal. We've got this from really reliable sources that PS5 Pro is, in fact, coming later this year. And the big plan is for it to release in time for Grand Theft Auto 6. Um, seems like a good time to release a pro version of PlayStation to me, Matt. <laughs> right yeah, I mean, you definitely want it to be playing smooth when you get that GTA 6. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a feeling it might be a little demanding as well. A tad. GTA 6. So, um, do you think we'll see chugging on the base PS5 for Grand Probably. Theft Auto 6? I think we'll see chugging on the pro. I think we might. Yeah, they may push the boundaries a little too yeah. far. I will say this. Grand Theft Auto 5 on PC looks stunning. Mm-hmm. It really is amazing. It looks way better than any of the console versions. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially, especially with modded up, like you can mod that thing up to look like a, like a photo. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is crazy. The mods for that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing you're right. They're probably gonna push the boundaries of GTA 6 as well. Yeah. I mean, if you care, I mean, I just finally threw in that Tie Fighter conversion mod, and it's just ridiculous what you can do now. Mm-hmm. With, with, I mean, it's just reskinning stuff that's in a 20 some year old game, and it looks pretty damn good like, yeah like you'd be amazed it, it, it's clear that like lighting is the key like once you get a certain level the lighting is what sells something or changes something or makes something tonally you know there's versions of gta 5 modded where it just looks like a real life shot and it's just mm-hmm. it's sort of boring actually yeah. it's like it's like it just grays everything out somebody did that to cyberpunk 2077 a couple weeks ago they like made it realistic and everything's just gray it's just concrete and <laughs> gray let's be honest <laughs> and it's like yeah i mean that's what it would that's not what we're here to do right yeah. like um yeah so um, yeah and we've seen the footage i mean it's it's they're they're going they're going real hard on this thing um, yeah and there's no pc version so hopefully it will be optimized fairly well but like it's not announced if they're yet, putting this thing there out, will be yeah well, now the PC version traditionally comes long after. Mm-hmm. Rockstar didn't care about the PC version. Yeah, it really does. That's not where they make their money. Yeah. Um, but I would have to imagine that Sony's trying to work with them to make sure that they know what they have to work with in terms of the new hardware. Yeah. Um, if there's one game you release new hardware for... That's it. Do you think there'll be as big of a leap for PlayStation 5 Pro as there was for PS4 Pro? Because... It was a pretty gigantic leap. Yeah, it was 1080p to, like, checkerboard 4K. Yeah, I don't see how there could be. I don't either. Um, I think mostly what you're going to get is things will run at 60 more readily, mm-hmm. and the ray tracing will be more robust. Yeah, that's I, what I would think, too. I, I think those are the two things. I mean, you basically... And probably it's going to be still be a choice between those two things. Yeah. Like, my guess would be a PS4 Pro... A, a, a PS5 Pro will run... Um, Basically, I would say they'd run quality mode on a vanilla PS5 at 60. Yeah, Or that makes you could sense. pick a quality mode that has more robust ray tracing than the PS5 could do at all, and you're going to drop to 30. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is, one, they'll default to the quality in games instead of defaulting to the performance. Mm-hmm. And two, the quality, as to your point, will run at a high frame rate. Yeah. It won't chug anymore or have sort of technical issues that a lot of those modes have now. So well, I think it probably that'll be a game-to-game thing. Because you can still you can still screw it up. Yeah, right? you're right. But, but yep. I would imagine Rockstar will not. No, yeah, particularly talking about Grand Theft Auto Six. I agree. 
Um, so yeah, PS5 Pro coming sometime later this year. It's probably going to be around the holiday season would be my guess. Um, and then we got some bigger news today, and we kind of saw this coming if you're reading the tea leaves, Matt, and that is that PlayStation laid off 900 people this morning, mm-hmm. 8% of the total PlayStation staff, almost 10% of the staff cut. Um, Matt, this is the market leader mm-hmm. in the games industry. What does this say to you? Well, some I mean, some of it makes some sense, like shuttering London is like what... I don't remember the last thing they did. Um, shutting down Twisted Metal, like it, it sucks for Fire Sprite, but also I think we we said back when they were acquiring. T- I mean, some not all these games as a service are going to make it to, mm-hmm. to release to the finish line. Um, yeah. And it certainly doesn't surprise me that Twilight uh, Twilight uh, that Twisted Metal is one of them because yeah. I mean, despite Cause. the success of the show, <laughs> um, that 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 game was never fun. It like, wasn't no, even fun back in the PlayStation no. 1 and PlayStation 2 It never days. really worked. It was just sort of chaotic nonsense. It was but a like novelty, it, I But if you like. wanted chaotic nonsense that actually felt like what you did mattered in it, you could just play Mario Kart. Right. Um, Battle mode in Mario yeah. Kart. Yeah. Um, which I think did the Twisted Metal thing better than Twisted Metal oh, ever did. Oh, agreed. Many um, times over. Yep. I I had you know I had a couple of these in college and my roommates and I would kept always kept trying to play this and we never really understood what why do why, people like why this? people why it was so big <laughs> and like it's there's a reason they haven't made one in like 13 15 years yeah like, it's just this who cares this like, was also one of those games in the early days where if somebody had been playing it they just destroyed everybody else like I would go over to a buddy's house. He had been playing Twisted Metal, and we'd all sit down to play with him, and it was just wasn't even fun. No, well, there was no balance. There yeah. was, like you could, it, there were special moves that were clearly the winning moves. There were characters that were markedly better than any other character. There were like, like there was, it, it wasn't, you know, it kind of tried to sell itself as sort of a vehicular fighting game, mm-hmm. but it never had that. Kind it didn't of have the balance for it. Yeah, you'll yeah. notice there's not, a, there wasn't a really a big like, you know, pro tournament scene no. for these games <laughs> never, you know? it's never twisted metal esports is not a thing no, that's for sure but like yeah it's i don't know and i can you can you imagine paying extra money for like skins for these things or for these nothing characters like you know, how do you make money off yeah, of the service part it. of it yeah um like it doesn't surprise me that's an ip that they decided to kind of develop down that line but i also doesn't surprise me that at a certain point you look at it and you're like you know what not like working. this isn't this isn't worth yeah doing. like so this especially game, in the wake of what hell divers did i have to imagine that that's sort of making you reevaluate your your standards of success because hell divers came out of nowhere mm-hmm. like it's nothing like it's 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 a pretty standard co-op shooter that has some really like appealing trappings and demos like like the the footage of the fights in the fall in like the dusty planets against the terminator things like that looks really cool. Like mm-hmm. I can see, like there's clips that I can understand why that's selling people on things. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you can do that with this IP, no one had really ever heard of before. That is just drawing on other IPs that people love by default, um, like Starship Troopers. But it's not Starship Troopers. Um, that's going to make you go back and look at your other live service stuff and say, do these have that potential? Right. And yeah, I don't. can certainly understand looking at twi- <laughs> Twisted Metal and thinking, no. Probably not. Regardless of who made it. Yeah. Like, not as an insult to fire spray. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that's, con- that's interesting and concerning to me is that some of the people they let go were from Insomniac and Naughty Dog. 
Yep. Um, you'd think that launching Spider-Man 2 and winning the Golden Globe with your IP would make most of your people safe. And it's also weird that if it was just re- reshuffling some, some roles, why... Why would that come from Sony corporate and not from the 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 you know the studio heads? Um, there's something about that that makes me wonder what's going on. It feels like there's something bigger afoot here, Matt. It feels like they know something that we don't. Well, I mean, one thing that we all know is that what PlayStation is doing right now is probably not sustainable. Spending three hundred million dollars mm. per game. Um, it seems like PlayStation is positioned well to do that because it has great studios and they end up turning a profit. But I think in some of the discovery documents we found through the the hearings for the Activision Blizzard acquisition, we found that those games aren't selling quite as well or turning quite as big as a profit as we thought, or at least as I thought. Like, for example, I thought this game sold way better than it did mm-hmm. until we got the actual numbers. And I was like, okay, like, it's so great. It's all good, but, like, you, you got to... The budget's got to be where the budget is. And I'm sure in the end... It was worth it to them because a you know they've been able to resell it. They got the re- the remake out, the remastered version out. Uh, the 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 TV show that's based on it is going to make them money and gain them prestige for years and years to come. Like even if you didn't make all your money back in the initial launch month of Last of Us Two, it was hundred percent worth making Last of Us Two. Uh, Spider Man Two has cleared its ridiculous budget. Three hundred million is too much to spend on any video game. It isn't like a live service thing you're expecting to be a World of Warcraft length hit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to me, the big surprise of those a lot of those charts were that Horizon sells as well as it does. Yeah, I was surprised um, at that. Too. I mean, I'm glad it does because I love Horizon, but I just kind of did. I just kind of figured that was a mid level. I didn't. I figured it was probably lucky to get to like ten million, or it yeah. sold around ten million, something like but that. But that it outsells God of War is it's pretty insane, stunning to me. Yep, I, I mean, agree. Good, I mean, good for Gorilla, like well done. But also, uh, today is the fifteenth anniversary of Killzone Two. Speaking of Gorilla, wow, um, that's crazy. But like, it's just it. I, it feels like this industry is like one. One bad three hundred million dollar bet away from like a new form of the crash of eighty four. You know what I mean? I mean, Suicide Squad might have been <laughs> Suicide Squad was close, but also like Warner Brothers kind of its own thing. Uh-huh. I'm talking about one of the you know a Microsoft or a Sony or a Capcom or not that Capcom spends that recklessly really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ubisoft, I could, like something. I feel like a bad, a real bad bomb could bring Ubisoft. To its knees. I, I, I agree. I feel like um, Ubisoft is almost kind of sitting there right now. Like, I feel like they're right on the cusp of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Skull and Bones is going to sell very well. Assassin's Creed Mirage didn't sell very well. No, and this new Assassin's Creed thing that all those leaks came out about doesn't sound very encouraging in terms of get, getting wanting to get people. I mean, I think new people, people are, in. I think yeah. people are interested in like Red and Hexa and stuff, but the Infinity service feels like a giant scam it really does it, it doesn't yeah. look, and, and like especially because it's like there's it has its own story that's going to tell entirely through the modern day sequences and i'm like you're saying everything you you can to repel people from this idea i mean i'm i am interested in it because I, i'm interested in the modern day stuff and i think some kind of assassin's creed style portal thing is fine you know, i like assassin's creed i'll try anything you throw at me mm-hmm. but all i've seen in response to those leaks is is mocking laughter yeah basically um, it's not encouraging, and I think like it, you know, I, I do think the cra- I don't think the crash or uh, you know, so-called crash would be similar to what happened in '84 because 80, in '84 video games went away for right. uh, for a couple years. They just like, disappeared. Yeah, '83, '84, like that just went away. Arcades shut down. 
nobody carried video games anymore. It took Nintendo to come in. But you are in this weird situation where retail could maybe stop carrying. I mean, especially in the in the in the in the the, the channel of kind of uh, stopping the carrying stopping carrying physical media. Like that could just be the excuse retail stores need to just not no longer have a video game section. Right. But because digital distribution is so robust and the indie game and, and double A world is you know doesn't really need the retail channels, video games wouldn't go away. Like we just wouldn't have God of Wars right. anymore. Or like it would be a while before these companies could kind of restructure and rethink their approach to give us those again. But meanwhile you would still have Pacific Drives. You would have um you know you'd you'd, you'd have like games you'd have real stuff it just would be not company you know, the 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 top level pe- publishers would have to sort of figure themselves out yeah um and so you've got like all these you know overblown budget things a crowded market that can't really support the amount of interest that is required to uh, make the money back on what they're spending um and nintendo's got something new waiting in the wings mm-hmm. that might change the change it might change the game after all this other nonsense happens it's launching a console right now though Dumbest thing that they could do if the market's no. kind of on eggshells right now. No, uh, but only because they're who they are. Because only Nintendo, only Nintendo could do yeah. that. Um, Matt, here's here's where I am a little confused in all this. So we we again we learn through the Insomniac hacks that Insomniac is working on not just Wolverine that's mm-hmm. still a year and a half, two years away. It's also working on like seven X Men games. Yeah, well, they're not working on them, but they're, they're planning them. They are going to... They intend to do them. Yeah. So, with that... First of all, when I saw that, I was like, how is Insomniac going to make all these games? Like, they're great. They're one of the best in the industry at producing AAA games in three years or whatever. Even so, like, that workload seemed insurmountable to me. That one studio, even as good as Insomniac, could get through that many games in the amount of time that they had kind of mapped out. And here they are taking away people from the studios who could be working on those x-men games while they're trying to finish off wolverine well the thing is i got well i mean the x-men game is way beyond i think the first one's what 2027 i thought it was 30 oh i thought it was 2027 no it goes 2025 venom 2026 wolverine 2028 spider-man 3 2030 x-men 2033 x-men they call x-men 3 it says x-men which implies that wolverine is considered x-men 1 yeah um that's still that's that's a game every two years yeah but that's two teams there's, yeah, still. It, that's completely doable. Um, Seems very. It really isn't. Like, if you got two separate teams that can like then share pre-production and move this over here, like they've been doing that. That's how. But they, they haven't done. They that. They did Ratchet though. and Spider-Man too the same way. Yeah, but they were still what three years apart. Spider-Man Miles Morales and and Ratchet and Clank were not two years. Apart. No, I meant to set Spider-Man two, Marvel Spider-Man two. Yeah, I'm talking about Miles Morales and Ratchet came out like less. Oh, than a I year think it's about Ratchet and Spider-Man two. No, Spider-Man two is the Spider-Man two and Venom are the parallel ones now because Venom is supposedly next year. Um, I don't. That's the one I'm concerned about in the sense of like, do people want that? I like the Venom parts of Marvel. I like Spider-Man the Venom too. parts, but. To, to sustain a, a whole game, game? Uh, like a maybe a iffy. DLC for two, yeah. I would kind of be behind. And I, I'm not saying, saying I wouldn't play it, but I'm just like I'm, I'm saying, would it have the critical mass that a that Spider-Man two or a Wolverine would have? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Miles Morales didn't sell like the mainline Spider-Mans, and I think the Venom game might sell worse. It might. Um, it, it has to be a pretty compelling reason to do a solo Venom thing. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there, I have faith in Insomniac that they don't, you know, may have bad ideas for games except Fuse. But like, but the 
That's, it was a long, that was a long time ago. Do you feel like Sony should have just laid off all its PlayStation VR 2 studios? Arguably, although the news coming out of that that they're going to adapt it to work on PC is interesting. Oh, really? There was stuff that came this week. They were saying like they're working on making it PC compatible so you can play the play. I mean, their angle was so you can play PlayStation Sony games on PC in a new way. We were going to get to that, actually. But like, yeah. that's fascinating. I never thought that would happen. That's good news for me. I might actually use it again. Um, <laughs> I couldn't quite. And we'll just get to it because we had it later on. But um, I don't quite understand the whole plan. It sounds like they're going to make PlayStation VR 2 work with PC VR games. They're going to make the headset work with it, yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, that's it. Do you really yeah. think that's going to open up the market for PlayStation? I th- I don't know if it'll open up the market for PlayStation, but it's a, it's a good reason to buy a VR 2 because it's a very good headset for the money. Yeah. Like, if you want something better than Oculus, but you don't want to pay, like, index prices or HTC prices, that's a real good mid-range headset. Yeah. Um, I would I would use it. I guess if you're a PC owner, you look at it like, well, I can get a top-of-the-line VR HMD for yeah. 500 bucks, Which like, is more comfortable than most of the others. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're a PC VR gamer, you may very likely be totally cool with yeah. that. And all of a sudden, you're buying PlayStation VR 2 instead of one of the other ones, like the Vive. Or, yeah. Um, I, if they do that, I will absolutely use it on that. Like, but Because I can't be bothered to drag the Vive down and drill holes in the wall to put the stupid lighthouse stuff. I mean, that's... I can't even believe I did that back in the day. Yeah. was so... I, had, I modified the apartment to play VR <laughs> games. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it seems ridiculous now. It didn't seem ridiculous then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh... No, I mean, that's that's a cool move. I Because I mean, there, the, there was that fan group trying to get it to work on PC, yeah. and they hit a problem where they couldn't get through this one thing that, like, NVIDIA cards don't support. Yeah. But obviously, Sony can change it to work that way with a firmware thing here's the quote the exact quote from playstation this comes from content communications manager gillen McAllister. Um, we're pleased to share that we are currently testing the ability for playstation vr2 players to access additional games on pc to often even more gameplay variety in addition to the playstation vr2 titles available through ps5 we hope to make this support available in 2024 so stay tuned for more updates mm-hmm. pretty encouraging That's good yeah um, but still i don't think that has much of an impact on whether PlayStation should have cut its PlayStation VR well, I don't know how support. big that team is. Yeah, you know? probably like, not that large. Yeah, I don't if we, by judging by the output, it's not very big I mean, at they all. Could, they could probably cut the anyone who was working on PSVR three. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that's already a skeleton mm-hmm. for, for the most part, or gone already. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was pretty surprised by this in general mm-hmm. um i mean layoffs these don't surprise layoffs, like, anyone anymore but like the fact that the fact that they hit insomniac and and naughty dog their two most successful studios uh as opposed to leaving them to sort of manage their own employment choices is like that that was that's weird 10 percent chop from the market leader that's yeah. shocking to me man yeah like that's crazy that makes you scared because you're like well no one's safe yeah, exactly. Point. You're like, what? Everybody else has got to be shaking in their shoes. They're yeah. not. It feels like even Star Citizen had layoffs, apparently. Right. So to your point, it does feel like there's something rumbling under the Something's surface. Something's in the air. There's there's economic forecast concerns in general across all business. Um, it's an election year uh, that everyone's a little concerned about the potential chaos to come out of that. So there's probably some battening of the hatches happening. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, no one really knows what's going to happen next. Um, 
even the the Warner Brothers uh, the Warner Brothers was expected to try to sell itself to Paramount once the 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 moratorium on selling itself was up in April, but they put the merger talks on hold today. Yeah, um, probably because with the drop in stock from Paramount, they can't afford to buy them anymore. That could be. Um, yeah. But again, that's the volatility that that's making everybody so scared in in, yeah. in, the, in the in the corporate boardrooms. So I mean, a lot of it's just greed. Yeah. Also, oh, you, know, yeah, totally. you know, it's not like the people that are at the top of Sony are worried about going bankrupt. They're worried about not making it. You know, not making. Yeah, I made four million this year. I might only make three million <laughs> right. this year 3. if I don't 7. do this. Yeah, you know. So it's it, you know. So we're gonna cut the person who makes seventy thousand. You know, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, it's very gross. It is gross because it's not about saving the seventy thousand dollars in salary. It's about the messaging that yeah. we're tightening the belt. We're this cutting is, yeah. the jobs. Yeah, we're making the making the investors just oh okay, they're being responsible. Exactly. They're, they're, they're yeah. Ruining these people's lives for a good reason. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I'm gonna put more <laughs> stock in. Yeah, it's like that's true. That's literally yeah. what happens. That is what's happening. Yep. So anyway, there you go. That's the latest on PlayStation. Not a whole lot of it very good, let's be honest. I do think that part of this may be uh, because of the lack of output over the last two years, we've got mm. hardly any big exclusives from PlayStation. I'm sure if the mothership is like, what the F is going on? We give you guys $300 million and you guys can't get your games done. And we sit here with, with nothing to release for like 18 month stretches. Like, I'm sure well, all like, of it just adds up. Well, some of it's just like, what? Like, who's not performing? I mean, obviously, London, like, hadn't made anything. Like, I don't even know what was happening over there. I, I was a little surprised to learn that that was still a functioning studio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless they're just doing support. And I guess they were doing VR stuff. Yeah. Um, they did. They did. Didn't they do like the kind of lock, stock, and two smoking barrels alike VR yeah. game? Or well, they they did a lot of stuff for PlayStation VR one. Yeah. Since PlayStation VR two has come out, not a whole lot. I don't think they've done anything. Didn't they do? Didn't they do one of the launch titles for VR two? Didn't they do one of the? Ones? I think maybe they coordinated with another studio yeah. on it, but I I don't think they had and a game. Bend isn't doing much because like that's the thing is like there wasn't really anyone left to put anything out except the newly acquired studios, and they obviously weren't going to be ready in time because they're yeah. making the live service stuff, and that takes forever. Yeah, and really only the Helldivers two guys came through in that regard. I do wonder too if part of this is even another part of it is Helldivers two. Yeah, they're like, wait a minute, this game like is just going bonkers. We never guessed it would go bonkers. Like. We spent what did they spend to build make Helldivers too? Like thirty, forty million? Yeah, maybe? not three hundred. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they're like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we making mm -hmm. these single player games? Like, well, and also, well, no, I don't think it's that at all. No, not single player. You know, single player games are still going to be their focus for sure. I think what's it doesn't feel like they are right now. Well, because they've only got three studios that make them. Yeah. Um, but like the live the live service thing was obviously their focus in terms of future strategy. But I think Helldivers two changes it not in the sense that like they're going to make guerrilla games, make Horizon the multiplayer arena shooter. I think it means, I think the thing that changed is that they all of a sudden are like, wait, the co-op live, sh live service game went crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think all, almost all the others they're working on are competitive. Mm. And I think that's the, I think that's the alarm bell they sounded. Interesting. And it probably not a, not a coincidence that Twisted Metal was the first to go because how do you do a cooperative Twisted Metal? No, it's totally competitive. Right? Yeah. Whereas like, I'll, I'll bet you, I will bet you cash money that somewhere someone's having a meeting this week about how to turn Marathon into a co-op game. I thought it was, actually. No one really knows. Yeah, I mean, the information out there is very... Be, it seems to be an escape with the with the bag uh, game. An extraction. But, but there was an, it seemed to be an implication in that trailer that it was versus. And Fair Games is definitely a cooperative extraction yeah. game. So that one probably targeted well. That one well. probably did okay. Yeah, I bet yeah. no one got let go from that one. They didn't. It doesn't um, sound like I it. I think Helldivers 2 caused a shockwave yeah. through there. And then... 
two weeks later, yeah. here come these big cuts. Right. Now, that doesn't explain why you're cutting from Naughty Dog and, and right. Insomniac, but it maybe explains that, you know, in the Twisted Metal thing, I, to me, is a, is a little flag going up that says, yeah. oh, they're reevaluating their life, which we always said they would do that. Yeah. I it, didn't expect it to be reevaluated in terms of co-op versus competitive, obviously, because I didn't think Helldivers 2 was going to do what it did. That's yeah. great. I mean, it's, it's like the 10th most played game on Steam of all time yeah. right now. It's... Wow, it's insane! It wow, really yeah. Like, who would have? That's what. But of course, that's also what we always say. You never know what the next big thing. You is. don't. No. You can't because there's put, so many other factors that come into play on whether something hits or it yeah. doesn't. It's like it's impossible. Yeah, but you, that's if, where PlayStation's at. It's like it's trying to figure out which games are going to mm-hmm. hit like that. It's almost impossible. Yeah, and if you, it's like if you'd gone gone back to if I went back in time and when you first saw that Helldivers two trailer and told you half a million people are going to play this concurrently on Steam. You would have been like, what? Well, Matt, why? you could say that to me after I played it for 15 hours. Right. I would have told you you're crazy. So I still don't understand so it at did, all. <laughs> but it just kept getting bigger and bigger that weekend. It's crazy. Uh, so anyway, that's the latest on PlayStation. We also have some updates on Nintendo on the hardware front. Feels like Switch 2 information has been going one way one week, and it goes one way the next week. And it, we can't keep... Now we're starting to get consistent messaging from different publications. So this week, Nikkei, which is Japan's... Wall Street Journal, probably the best way to describe it. It's Japan's financial newspaper, and pretty much everything it prints there ends up coming true. Nikkei confirmed this week that Switch has, in fact, been delayed into 2025. However, Matt, the difference with Nikkei, instead of saying that they didn't have enough software ready for launch, Nikkei is saying that they won't have enough hardware available for launch, and that Nintendo is trying to avoid scalpers and the whole mess that we went through Mm -hmm. with the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X, but... I don't think that's going to matter. Like, I don't think Nintendo can make enough Switch 2 at launch to where there isn't going to be a scalping issue. Probably not, but I, I would imagine an extra several months of production will alleviate well, help. more. Well, hell, yeah. Um, and again, they we know they're not afraid of March, because mm-hmm. that's when Switch 1 launched. Yeah. And it went just fine. Yeah. So I think it's a better time to release it than the holidays, really. Um it's a better time for a big purchase on your own. Maybe it's not a good gift-giving time, mm-hmm. but I don't think people are giving huge, pricey gifts at this point, really, Again, anyway. I, I think it's a good for them to avoid the and, scalping issue, not releasing it at Christmas. The demand is just going to be low. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And, and so if you only have the, so many units... And uh, let's not forget, um, by March next year, whatever chaos results from the election in November will have shaken out yeah. in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the market, one way or the other, will probably have been more, be more stable than trying to launch that in the middle of all that nonsense. Yeah. And you're going to get more t- more airtime on the news cycle. I, st- I, had a, I was holding out hope a little bit for Metroid Prime 4 for my fantasy team. Now I have no hope. No. It is definitely not coming no, out I'm, this year. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think so, although, like, who knows? Like... I trust Nick Gay, man. I would. They've my, never reported anything. No, that didn't but happen. I mean that you could always release Metroid Prime Four just for the Switch. Yeah, own, but I don't see that happening. It doesn't feel like if you're going to work on that for five years, <laughs> yeah. you're going to make that a launch. Time. I don't think that's happening. So anyway, it looks like it's pretty much written in stone at this point that Switch Two is not coming in 2024. It is coming in 2025. I do agree with you, Matt. I think March is perfect. I mean, it was a perfect storm last time. Why mm-hmm. would you not just repeat the same thing again? Yeah, everything worked great. I mean, I, mean, I, were, I, mean, I bet they wanted. They originally were thinking about March this year, but just weren't going to make it. Yeah, it's possible. March is just, you know, it just worked. It, it just, definitely worked. It's something that makes <laughs> it's anyway coming up on summer, and everyone's thinking about getting a handheld because I guess I mean, it's just all it's on just a run. good place to put it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, unfortunately, since I have to 
uh, wait, probably about a year. We're getting, we're almost in March. Yeah, about so a year about away. a year from now, we'll probably have the Switch 2, which isn't that long to wait. There's plenty of great games coming out this year to hold us over, although, except... Well, I don't know about the second half of the year is looking pretty weird. <laughs> well, particularly on Switch. We're going to get to that here in a little bit when we talk about the yeah, latest... So they're going to have to do some tap dancing. Penangling. That, Sony and my, Nintendo are, are, are going to have to pull some rabbits out of the hat <laughs> Seriously, for the second half of this year. To make it happen. And that's after PlayStation had a pretty much empty... 2023 so um anyway that's the latest on switch 2 next up we got the first trailer for elden ring shadow of the erd tree dlc fortunately had an issue the trailer did not transfer over so it mm. won't be here in the live stream it will be running on the archive of the show matt i would just say i was very surprised at how little attention there was paid to it on sifted Hardly th- any comments, it, hardly any likes. I think they waited too long. Yeah? I think, I think, it's, I think they missed the window. On huh. Because I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't even watch the whole trailer. You didn't? But yeah. is that because you just know you're going to get it so you don't need to watch no, it? Or is that because you just didn't, you didn't have interest in it? I don't really have interest in I mean, I, I'm interested in what it is. Like, I want to hear information about what this thing is. I don't mm-hmm. care about the visual. The visuals are just... You didn't feel like the trailer gave you... Because there's that new enemy in there. Yeah, I don't... Who cares? Like it's, it's, it was it's, right over my head. Like yeah. I've played twenty some hours of it. I had no idea what was going on in that trailer. No, I, that doesn't tell me anything. I, I want yeah. I want actual bullet points. I want actual interviews or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I mean I played Elden Ring for like hundred and twenty hours. I like, think most I'm, people did. I'm kind of good. I'm I more, guess I'm wondering. The, the closer like, and closer we get to this, I'm just like, do I want to <laughs> play this again? Like, not I really. think a lot of people are thinking about that. But you're, to your point earlier, you're like, okay, they waited too long. But I feel like if it came earlier, a lot of people would be feeling like you. They're like, yeah, man, I just spent a hundred hours. But there's a window, you know. Yeah. There was a window there where people had were just, you know, they, What's they, the sweet they, spot? Were, they were done, but they were like, oh, I could go for more of that. Uh-huh. Um, I think uh, I didn't like it very much, but Lies of P scratched the itch for a lot of people. Yeah. They kind of got that Souls like kind of thing out of their system mm-hmm. um there's still, so many souls like still a lot of people that are different games there's still a lot of people that are very they're just bitter that there's no blood bloodborne remaster or pc version or sequel uh, which will never happen it will never happen mm-hmm. like i mean the, they they did do interviews a bit this week that didn't give you a lot of information but miyazaki did straight up say i have nothing to say about Bloodborne. i saw what he said he had no control over it yeah no control over like that's nothing they can do it's all yeah. sony yeah sony wants to make which we knew all along but people need to hear it fans yeah. need to hear it uh, the most i would think you'd get out of bloodborne in the future is they'll make a tv show that makes sense i think there's a tv like show a netflix there. show or something yeah yeah People can dream. Um, but anyway, I was surprised at the lack of enthusiasm for the DLC on Sifted. Like, I think that, I think it'll go up when it's out. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, but there's like sort of this thing. It's such a known quantity. Mm-hmm. You know, People knew it, it was coming. And... If there's all anybody wanted from this was the release date. And we got that. Yeah. So, which I don't even remember anywhere. So June? <laughs> the June 25th or something like that? Yeah. yeah like, all right, I'll see you then. Yeah, I don't. It's like what? What else? It's actually coming earlier than I thought. I thought it was going to end up being like Q four. Yeah, thing. I was kind of expecting September mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, but I mean, it's probably a good place to put it. I mean, it's a pretty sparse schedule. Yeah, anywhere in the yeah, it's true. Year. Yep. After this month, summer is a little dry mm-hmm. <laughs> here in the games industry, to be sure. Uh, so anyway, Elden Ring Shadow of the Earth Tree DLC. They're saying it's going to be a huge expansion and. I mean, it would have to be, given the They've time. worked on it a long time. 
Um, it sounds like it might almost be like the size of the base yeah. game or something. That's what, I, that's what I said a few weeks ago. I'm like, yeah. I expected it to be basically another Elden Ring. Yeah, so and buckle up, people, if you're is. ready. And it is coming in June. They usually pull the stops out for their big DLC, yeah. let's, let's be honest. Uh, ever since Scholar of the First Sin, mm-hmm. they've really gone above and beyond for almost all that stuff. Yep. So there you go, that's Elden Ring Shadow of the Erd Tree. We already talked about PlayStation VR 2 coming to PC. Um, another big story from this week, Matt, and we can't show it here on Game Face because we'll get a copyright strike, hmm. uh, was the trailer trailer for the first uh, Borderlands film. Mm-hmm. People really, really were into it. Like, I was surprised. It was one of the most watched things on Sifted this entire week was the Borderlands film trailer. Mm-hmm. Most com- One of the most commented things from the week. Did you get a chance to watch it, Matt? Some of it. I saw clips of it. It feels like they nailed Borderlands, but... I don't know if that's what I wanted. Well, I don't want a Borderlands movie at all. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's where I'm I'm headed with my thoughts. (laughs) I'm very confused why anyone thought the thing to to pull out of the Borderlands IP was the story. Yeah. Um, Characters, I guess. But, I mean... mean, They did kind of nail that part of it. Like, the look of it. Although, some of it does look like it may have been shot on, like, a handy cam. I think some of that's that's intentional. Yeah. To get a little bit of camp. But, like, I I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I people do. are excited about it. I mean... I'm surprised how many people are invested in the Borderlands story. Are you? I don't know how many people... I mean, people like the characters. I don't know if the story is all that compelling to people. Um, although, you know, the pre-sequel... Uh, not pre-sequel, the, the, the Telltale game. Like, that was a, their interesting take on mm-hmm. it, I guess. I don't know. Like, I... I I've, I've been over Borderlands for some time. Yeah. And, well, neither one um, of us are big fans of the IP. Yeah. I mean, I liked 1 and 2 a lot. I didn't ever play the pre-sequel, and mm-hmm. I only got probably a third of the way through 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I liked Tiny, Tina Wonder- Tiny Tina's Wonderlands a lot. Yeah. Um, that was pl- a pleasant surprise for sure. And, of course, she's in this in the movie. The movie, the, the, the crew in the movie is fu- interesting because it's basically a greatest hits like it has nothing to oh, do cross, with, right. with any yeah. of the individual they're games. just the it's best like, characters these are all the characters everybody really likes the most yeah you know? pretty okay. much yeah um i mean we'll see is actually birch in the film i didn't even think to pay attention no not that i saw no okay um jamie lee curtis and uh she could have played that character ashley yeah yeah, yeah she could have yeah um she's a pretty good actor and she looks the part and who and knows? Obviously, she plays the part in other forms of media. So, and who, and who knows? Like you know, stranger things have happened. That's true. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, and also, like, I mean, I wonder where it's coming. I guess the uh, Furiosas do later this year. Um, it's weird to Mad Max. That's I mean, it's literally Mad <laughs> odd Max. Timing this is clearly inspired by Mad sure. Max. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot of coherent things to say about this. It's just. It's just weird to me that yeah. it's a thing. Like. I'm surprised it was made into a film, honestly. The, yeah, and I wonder how much of the, the, the view traffic it's getting is just people with that same sort of, like, wait, what? It got they, a movie? They're yeah. doing what? <laughs> you may yeah. be right. Just morbid curiosity, maybe. Yeah, we'll see how the next trailer yeah. does in view, view-wise, because this is just a teaser. Um, I did think it was interesting that pe- there were people that were hating on it and being very weird about it. And one of, uh, one of the people that said that they thought it looked, it looked pretty good was this guy named Mikey Newman. Um, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, well, he does Film Joy, which is a, a 
movie like video essay thing on YouTube he's, or movies with Mikey he does those mm-hmm. things he pops up he talks about video that's probably where I've heard of him yeah but um, someone was saying like oh you clearly don't know anything about Borderlands you've never even played the games if you think this looks good so Mikey Newman was the uh, creative director on Borderlands 1 and 2 and the uh, co-writer of the first two games <laughs> and the voice and mocap guy for Scooter okay so, fair no, enough he, he, he does know some things <laughs> yes, about what Borderlands should be <laughs> so if he thinks that trailer looks pretty good it looks pretty good yeah. for Borderlands. I'm, you know, like that's about as definitive as it gets. Okay, um, fair enough. I just thought that was funny because I actually did not know that was the same Mikey Newman from from Gearbox. Oh. I've been watching his movie channel for years, uh-huh. but I did not know that was that. Especially because like then I started thinking, did I interview that guy? Because <laughs> so, I'd gone to Gearbox and interviewed, have, yeah. done like interview things like of the whole. You know, you, yeah. you know, you'd sit there all day and you interview like six people and then. Yep. Talk to Randy for five minutes, and that's your segment. Kind yeah. of thing. Um, and it's just like, I'm like, have I talked? Have I met him? You did probably I did, have. I bet I did. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. It's a much smaller world than you think, especially now that everybody's getting laid off. The world keeps getting yeah, well, smaller and smaller, Matt. Yeah, yeah every, everyone's got the same hate. Does anyone have any job leads? Uh, I'll say this, man. There are some really, really good people out on the market right now. There are. Like, if you are a studio that's hiring right now, you have the pick of the litter. You could, it, it could not be a better time to start a studio right now. And the now. other thing I've seen is, like, people asking for help and then coming back and posting, like, man, I went to this resume scanning service where they, like, go through your resume and basically tell you how to tweak it so that the, the stupid fucking AI scanny things that won't throw it away so yeah so to make sure that actually gets to a person Mm -hmm. or i was like good luck with that yeah and if you haven't been in the job market for as long as some of these people have you don't even know that's a thing right so you're just like oh just put my resume out there nope that's not how it works tons of people i know who are like i was like i've been looking for a job for months and i haven't gotten a single interview and i don't know why and it turned out that's why yeah yeah because your resume is just getting filtered out Mm -hmm. one word in there that they don't like and off it goes boom Yeah. yeah it's a it's rough for sure um, so anyway, there you go. That's the latest on the Borderlands film. I'm surprised it's coming so quickly. It just kind of, a, we heard a couple things about it. That it was, and then it's like, there are other gaming films that we've known about for like, like the Metal Gear film. Well, I knew this was actually managed to shoot. Like, yeah. Once you get a shoot date, Then you know it's happening. You know, like, yeah. uh, and I don't think Then you know the budget's there. And... Is, are there any other, I mean, and, or like, you know, the Zelda thing's obviously happening. Yeah. But like, we don't have a, sh- a shoot date for that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to imagine a Mario sequel. There probably should not be a shoot date for the Zelda. (laughs) No, Zelda should probably be CG. Yeah, I think that's a huge mistake. But like, we'll see. We'll see. Yep. Uh, So Nintendo did have an event this morning. It had a Pokemon Presents, and it announced a bunch of stuff. There's like five different projects or games that it announced. Pokemon Pals. (laughs) Well, there was in the world. Yeah. There's a yeah. They probably should make a Pokemon Pals after Mm -hmm. the success of Pal World. Um, but there was, like, a new, like, event for Pokemon Go. There's, like, a new uh, Pokemon coming to Pokemon Sleep. Like, stuff like that. The big thing, though, was that there's a brand new Pokemon Legends game coming called Pokemon Legends Z to A. I'm not even 100% sure how you're supposed to pronounce it. Z to A? Z hyphen A. Z, it looks like Z to A. Like Z to the, A, like, I like guess. Like the, the alphabet backwards, basically. I guess, yeah. Um, if you remember, Pokemon Legends Arceus was one of our favorite Pokemon games in recent memory because it really switched things up. And in all honesty, was a lot like Power World. It was a 
Pokemon game where you went out into at least a pseudo open world. You could just free roam around and hunt Pokemon as you mm. wanted to, take on missions as you wanted to. There were mounts and all this other stuff that had not really been a big part of 3D Pokemon games in the past. Matt and I really liked it. It sold pretty well. Mm. Like it's clear that this the monster collecting subgenre of games are straining in that direction of like we're, someone's going to figure out that open that open like world idea of, of a mm -hmm. Pokemon clone or Pokemon itself, and then you're, you're, you've got a firestorm. Yeah, um, this trailer shows nothing. No, and not really. here's what this it makes me wonder, Matt. So the release date for this, all they said was releasing for Switch 2025. Mm -hmm. This is a Switch 2 game, and they don't want to show it yet because you'll be able to tell it's a Switch 2 game. I think it's both. Yeah, it's going to straddle. Yeah. Any, I would argue any game that comes out in 2025 is probably going to strap. And probably 2026. Yeah, you honest. may be right. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to have two years of, of dual. Yeah. Of, of working, on, working on either one more accurately. I think it'll be the same cartridge. But, like, like that's why, you know, like they were talking about, we talked about a while ago where, like, they pulled uh, a bunch of, like, Switch staples from print. Like, mm -hmm. Super Mario uh, Odyssey is not in print yeah. right now. And I think that's because they're pulling it back to rebrand the packaging with works on Switch 2. So it'll be the same cartridge. You just stick it in, and it, and it works. You think so? You think it'll just be one cart? It won't be two different no. um, USPs or whatever? Nope. I think it'll be the same thing. Huh. I'd be surprised by that. Because it feels like Nintendo can milk it and sell it separately no, and sell the Switch 2 version for no, 70 and the Switch version for 60 I mean, I would bet you that when Super Mario Odyssey goes back in print, it will be $70. Yeah. But with that new packaging. But, no, I think they'll be the same cartridge. Okay. Interesting. Because otherwise you have to double your cartridge manufacturing costs. Because you have to make two yeah. different runs. Yeah, like that. for sure. So I think economically, I think it's going to make more sense to do that. Okay. To do to do one. Anything you're looking for in particular for the sequel to Arceus? Make it run better. Make it run better really <laughs> is, yeah, it really is the only thing. And if it's on Switch 2, problem solved, you'd assume. At least yeah. you hope so. And I, I mean, the other thing would be like, I thought the kind of the medieval, the feudal medieval japan setting got a little old yeah. after a while and this obviously is not that yeah so, i can't really figure out what the hell is going on with this game based on this trailer it it's, looks like 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 a hyper future but like with some studio ghibli like kind of cozy european vibes like that looks like some kind of version cozy that yeah. word has like been thrown around in gaming for the last like four months people yeah. have decided it's like some weird subgenre called cozy games. cozy gaming yeah, <laughs> yeah like whatever but like uh the, but you know like the high tech like Eiffel Tower thing there. Yeah. I mean, that's what looks, you know, I, it's just going to be like cyberpunk with like really. I mean, that nice isn't that hinting that it takes place in France for the yeah. most part. Yeah. It looks like it. Yeah. Which, okay. So maybe it's Zed to Awe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> there aren't enough games set in France, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there was one of them was set in France. A Pokemon one game? One of the was? Pokemon games. Oh, really? Was. I can't remember which one. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, one of them was in France. Interesting. I don't remember that. One was in reason. Spain. One, you know, they've you been can all usually over the world. tell like where yeah. they're supposed to be set. Yeah. So anyway, that's the latest on Pokemon. Uh, we thought we were going to get like a gold and silver remake or whatever. Like an anniversary were, thing. Yeah. yeah, but didn't happen. So all we got Which is Which is weird because like that's money in the bank. Whenever yeah. they want to do gold and silver again. Yeah, they, for I mean, sure. They're probably saving it for a, a rainy day. Yeah. I'll bet you that'll be on the new Switch. Yo, for sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's in 2025. That's all we know. And we don't even know exactly which platform. Um, next up, we finally got some information on EA's college football game. Finally, we got some news on EA's college football game. We've known it's been coming for a while. EA has been very 
tight-lipped about it. This franchise has been gone for like eight years now, Matt. Is that it? Yeah. Is that it? It felt like longer. Yeah, it was like 2014, I think, was the last year. Mm. So it's coming up on almost a decade at this point where we have not had a college football game. Um, if you go on eBay, before they announced this, you could get the lat like you, you could sell your college football 14 or whatever for Buku bucks. Mm. That market now, obviously, has completely fallen through the floor. Um, and we are starting to slowly get some details. Um, first, I think well, maybe... So isn't, it, wasn't NCAA, wasn't NCAA basketball like one of the most valuable 360 games? For a long time it was, it yeah. They still haven't made a college basketball game yeah. since. Like, it's just completely disappeared. Um, and college football had disappeared as well. And the reason it disappeared was because EA was being accused of basically ripping off the college athletes. Now, real college football, real NCAA athletics have this new thing called NIL, where players can get paid. You mm. can basically get sponsored by the local car dealership or whatever, and you can make money. Um, it has really thrown college football, it's turned it upside down, honestly. A lot of co- old coaches are like dropping out. They're like, I don't like this anymore, because it's basically like college football players are free agents. Yeah. Like, if you don't like what's going on at your college, you can just go into the transfer portal and just transfer to another school like you're an NFL free agent. And college coaches are like, screw this. I came to, like, nowhere Alabama four times to visit you, and then you stayed at my program for a year and went somewhere else. So mm-hmm. there's all this upheaval in college sports is what I'm getting at that all started with not It's paying. really a shame that you can't exploit these kids' bodies uh, right. however you want now. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I'm in favor. I think it's better, well, me too. It's awful. they can do that. Well, here's the thing, Matt. Now that they can pay the athletes, EA is only going to pay each college football player They're going to pay up to 84 players, I believe, from each team. And there's like 115 or 116 Mm. teams or something like that. So if you do the math. And that adds up. It adds up fast. Um, But still, if you're a college football player and you're like, I've waited all this time to get paid to be in NCAA football, here's your $600 check. I mean, that's a look. That's a weekend of partying in college, basically. Better than nothing. (laughs) And this is not their main source of that income obviously well like, boosters are really yeah i mean well, no, them- no, i mean like the the they they want to they want to go the, the players are not expecting to get rich off of ea you know they, well they, most of them know they're never going to play in the pros yeah it's like one or like half a player out of a hundred actually makes the pros from mm. college football so most of them know they're never going to make the pros they're never going to make money playing pro football mm. although there is now other leagues that are pro leagues like the xfl just merged with the usfl right and now it's, it's called like the afl or some crap but anyway there is that other league they could potentially play in but otherwise your options are limited yeah, there's european things. yeah this they is can like go play ice football in Germany. <laughs> that thing that you sent me, which is awesome, like football yeah. on on ice skates. Yes, yeah, so it's just football, American football on ice. Yeah, and they, they're not even on ice skates. They're just oh yeah, they're just, they're just running. running, and it's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Germ. It's a look. Look, look it, it up, up on YouTube. Ice American <laughs> football on ice. It's like a. It's like and it's like this German guy doing commentary, and it's just all these English words keep popping up, and yeah. it's very funny. It is funny. Yep. Um, so anyway, I, I think, you know, college football went away for all that time. I don't think it's returning how people had anticipated it was going to return. I think people were like, no, like, not like that. <laughs> That's what people are saying about it. Um, it is coming this summer. It looks like it's going to release around June-ish, something like that. Uh, but it is coming back after a long hiatus, EA's college football game. And then our final story for housekeeping this week is Apple Arcade. Um, Matt, rumors are swirling all over the place that Apple Arcade is about to fold. Are you surprised by that at all, Matt? 
uh, only in the sense that I thought it had already folded. Oh, you thought it was already gone? I didn't. I haven't heard anyone mention Apple Arcade in years. Really? Well, it's um. I mean, they're still announcing exclusive games for it, and you know, a lot of games that were exclusive are now mm. becoming available for other platforms. Yeah, most stuff that's worthwhile from there seems to show up elsewhere later. Eventually, yeah. Uh, do you think that's the problem why Apple Arcade has struggled, or do you, or do no, you think, I this think is it's a... just that Mac, Apple is not a gaming brand? Like no one associates. I mean, I've been playing. I've been using Apple hardware since 1986. I do not. I don't play games on my MacBook. I don't play games on my phone. That's yeah. for sure. Like so, like if I'm going to play a video game, I'm going to play it on another thing. You know, even I, you know, I have top of the line Mac, MacBook Pros, and they still don't run everything very well. Yeah, in terms of video game stuff. Well, it's like Death Stranding just came out for Apple, and it was like a big thing. It's like. People are so yeah. over that game at this point. Nobody cares. I mean, that's like how it was back in the day where, like, you know, in the 90s. I still have, I have a whole box of old Apple, like, Macintosh versions of, of PC games. Of, like, the Dooms and the Star Wars games and, like, anything you can think of. It's all, and the only thing that anyone really ever cared about on the other side was Ma was Marathon. Because Mar only Marathon 2 came to PC. Mm -hmm. um, and... Like so, but it's like you know, like Alien versus Predator that came out two years after it was out on PC. Yeah, like at that point, no one cared except the fourteen people who were playing <laughs> games on Mac and what you know, or like Unreal Tournament and things yeah. like that. I had all those things because that's what I had. I didn't have a gaming PC; I had a, a high-end Mac. Yeah, and that just ended at some point when I was able to afford my own PC equipment. You know, my, I wasn't playing my parents' Macintosh; I was, you know, playing my own game, my own thing. And I never really looked back. I, mean, I prefer Mac for work and for writing, but I ha for video editing for certain. But I don't care about it for video games. Is there an answer for Mac and gaming, or is it just like why? Like, don't no, even bother. Don't bother. Really, don't bother. Like, it's I don't know what. I mean, maybe like smaller stuff. Like, but in terms of like playing Death Stranding on a Mac, like two years late, three or an years iPhone. late, like yeah. uh, whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, there's I, Resident Evil Village. Yeah, I mean, Resident you kind of gotta remake. like. I guess you gotta like throw the 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 head fake that way once in a while. But like Steve Jobs didn't like video games. And yeah, yeah. Made damn sure that Apple was not seen as a gaming platform. Yeah, yeah. And that's never going away. That's basically in the DNA of the brand. It kind of is. And yeah. I don't think it's worth the effort it would take to turn that around. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Why do you think Apple keeps trying? I don't know. Probably just because there's money to be made there. Yeah. yeah they just see a big market. No, but nobody there. in the in the Apple shareholder department can possibly look at Fortnite and think like, why aren't we getting a piece of some of that? Something like that. Yeah. Like the, the, well, yeah. they are. They're getting thirty percent. Right. But what I'm saying is like somewhere in there, there's people that think that they could make have their own Fortnite hit on their hands right. if they put the right thing on Apple Arcade. Mm -hmm. You know. And it's not a, it's not a crazy idea, but it is an unlikely one. What do you think it says about subscription services that Apple Arcade is appears to be failing? I don't know. I mean, the nothing. Because it is one of the other gaming subscription services. Yeah, I don't think it says anything about them. I yeah. think it just says that nobody's that interested in games on Apple. It just doesn't feel like what you're seeing in the B-roll right now, like uh, trying to charge people to play a collection of these games. When, Matt, I'll be honest with you, most of the games that I'm seeing in the B-roll feel like games that I'll, next week I'll get for free with Amazon yeah. Prime or well, I'll get for free on Epic Game Store. Well, I, I had a subscription to this to Apple Arcade for a little while, and it was fine. I, play, I think I played like that Oceanhorned sequel yeah. and a couple other things. There's been a couple exclusives. And I just like can't. But like they are all on PC now. Like, mm -hmm. It's like at a certain point I'm just like anything that's worthwhile on Apple Arcade I will play on another platform eventually. Yeah. And like there's nothing on it. 
that I desperately need to play right now, right now, right now. Yeah, I felt that way about like, Apple like Arcade Choo-Choo. from the, the yeah. beginning. Like I yeah. like Choo Choo Rocket and all, but I don't need to pay a subscription fee for it. Yeah, it seemed ill fated from the beginning. Yeah, to charge a subscription yeah. for this for sure. Um, and even despite the fact that like anytime you get a new Apple device or you do anything. In the Apple ecosystem, they were giving you like free subscriptions to Apple Arcade. Yeah. And people still didn't care. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they do with Apple TV now. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it was nice that they were uh, contracting actual independent developers to make new content. I mean, you know, it was not a bad thing for, mm-hmm. for the, the industry, I guess. But it's just, I don't think you're ever getting past the idea that the, the, the you know, the 25 year established stigma that Apple is inferior for gaming. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's, you're like, I don't know why you'd bother to try to change minds on that. Because not only do you then have to put all the effort into changing people's minds, you got to maintain. I mean, let's be honest. The reason Apple's trying to get into gaming is because of what we talk about on the show all the time about how every company just must have infinite growth. Right. You can't just make a ton of money and that's good enough anymore. It has to just be continually aligned mm. up with your revenue. So and that is a, an ongoing problem for Apple more than most because Apple's kind of hit the plateau at this yeah. point. Everyone who wants an iPhone has an iPhone. Everyone who wants a MacBook has a MacBook. Everyone who wants an iPad has an iPad. Everyone who wants um, AirPods has AirPods. AirPods. Everyone has who wants AirPods. an Apple Watch has an Apple Watch. Yeah. And yeah. Like, all they got left is expanding into weird things like Apple Gaming or um, uh, the, VR the, and the, AR. the Apple Vision. Yeah. Um, which I guess sold pretty well, but they didn't make that many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wonder if that thing is kind of the future is like, you know, where, the, where you know, they're a platform. Yeah. You know, once you get to the vision 3.0, is it just going to look like a normal pair of glasses and we're all going to be wearing them? Like that's possible. You know, and we don't have phones in our pockets anymore. An iPhone thing again. Yeah. I mean, they've done it before. Yep. I think it's what Apple's aiming for. We'll see if it, if it works, but eventually they're probably going to need games for that thing. True. So maybe they, take all their attention and money away from Apple Arcade and start dumping it into Apple Vision. That would know. probably be what I'd do. Um, I don't know if that's guaranteed to have any more success. Me either. But, uh, but in terms of you're going to have gonna to try. You're going to have to have a massive like base of support for this thing if you want it to be the next iPhone. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter right now because you've just got early adopters and cult members, basically. Yeah. Because um, it certainly is a cult of Apple. Oh, yeah. Um, the true believers sure hate it when you point out how ridiculous they look <laughs> with those things on their face. Yep. Um, driving with them on. Are you out of your mind? Uh. Um... I saw it was people like, made me crazy. It was like the, it was the videos of people wearing them and doing like this shit while the Tesla drove itself. Then it was like, I can't believe I have to share a road with you people. Hashtag Darwinism. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what we're getting Except at a there. A lot of them are already reproduced, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, well, maybe they'll be they'll go away before they can teach their kids to be just as stupid as they are. <laughs> yeah, you got you're really putting a lot of hope on a lot of kids being smarter than their parents <laughs> That's these days. A good point. Yep. So. so anyway, there you go. That is the housekeeping for Game Face episode three seven eight. Let's check in with you guys. See what you guys are saying about all these small ish stories. Um, the legacy says, and as always, folks, always go at Stifted Games in the chat. That way we can pick up on stuff where you guys are trying to talk to us or ask us things. Um, the legacy says, so will xCloud Cloud fail to get an audience on mobile? Probably. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this has anything to do with it because I don't think Apple Arcade was like a streaming service. It was, I think you downloaded yeah. the games to your phone. Yeah, you download and install or, or on your computer. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, but, but still, I can see there are some parallels there. Um, all yeah. in, you know, Marcus is right. The games are dull and samey. Yeah. They the all game- look like kind of like 
They all a lot of like ninety percent of the Apple Arcade games look like if you were going to make a fake game to look like an indie game a character was making in a TV show. Yeah, no, you're right. Yep, it takes a lot for an indie game to really catch my attention anymore. There's just so many. It's like my brain just kind of filters a lot of them out. Um, Mike's Q talking about NCA. How is it not getting paid if you're getting a sports scholarship, free tuition, like thirty k a semester? The thing is, Mike's Q is that they don't. A lot of them don't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. Like I don't blame them. Like when I went to Temple, Temple's football team always mediocre or sucks. Um, Shelma, thank you for Twitch Prime. Temple's football team always sucks, but their basketball team back when I went to school there were great. Mm-hmm. They had Eddie Jones and Aaron McKee. They were literally in the sweet uh, 16 or the final eight of the tournament almost every year. Those guys were riding around in Range Rovers, like $150,000 Range Rovers. And everybody on campus knew that their agents bought them for them and that there was some weird loophole that they were going. But Eddie Jones, Aaron McKee, our two basketball stars, had the same exact Range Rovers that they drove around campus. And... It, like I had classes with a couple of them. They'd show up on the first day of class. They'd get the syllabus. You'd never see them again. Like they, most a lot of college athletes only go to college because they want they use it as a stepping stone to get to mm-hmm. professional sports. And it's because not fair. All the professional sports have requirements for graduating. Yeah, it's not fair. Like there are people out there who are academics who want to go to school to better themselves academically who aren't getting those scholarships. So I think it's great. Like. Let the players make their money. Save the scholarships for the people. And look, if you're a player who wants a scholarship, awesome. You still get a scholarship. You can still go to college for free if you want to. Yeah, you could tell the in my school we did not have we did not have a good football team. Yeah, uh, we just uh, our, we just lost to Santa, Santa Clara over and over again. But um, <laughs> the uh, they wanted the, you could tell the athletes who were there to be there to go to school. Like because mm-hmm. again, like you. you some yeah. of them showed up the first day and you never saw them again. Some were there every day. Yeah, yeah. And we're working on projects with you. And you're like, wow, man. And they're like, oh, I got to go to practice. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know yeah. how you're doing it, man. Like, it's enough for me just to oh, like. Yeah, these guys never slept. Basically. It's tough. Yeah. Especially but, if you're um, Temple basketball players. Because back then their coach was a hard ass, John Chaney. And he would make them practice at like 6 in the morning. Yeah. Like we were. Um, rough. I remember the. Uh, so I was in my freshman year. I was in a play. And that play happened to be the first acting role of Mahershala Ali oh. ever had. He, wow. was, he was two years ahead of me in that. Sport. Wow, that's crazy. And we had a scene. We had a bunch of scenes together because I was an escaped uh, uh, Marine or, or Army guy, and he was the MP trying to arrest me. So oh. we had a fight scene and all that. But he'd never done it. Before. And so he was basically almost literally on loan to the production to the drama department from the athletics department yeah. and all the time he'd he'd only show up to do like he like basically like, stuff we have Mahershala from like this out like for like 40 minutes yeah so like rehearsal's gonna completely stop and matt and Mahershala are gonna re- rehearse their fight scene and then we're gonna go back to what we were doing because he had to go right <laughs> yeah. back to practice like they yeah. literally just didn't he would just run over for, like from practice like do his thing and leave and then yeah. had to go back and do whatever yeah. that i mean it was it was it was his job i'm glad that there are some athletes that are like that though but oh no he was Mike's super Q, serious most of them about everything generally are just using college to become a professional athlete and mm-hmm. they don't want the scholarship so in which that is case really, give it to somebody who doesn't which want is it. also really concerning just in like as you said the percentage chances that they will be a professional athlete yeah are so, so low. slim yep i mean you gotta take your shot but like i i do think that because like also maybe some guy some of these guys are good enough to be professional athletes but they get hurt in college and they never get back to where they were no and you're like, right and now they've wasted you know they they never got to make money on their ability and like i don't think there's i don't have a problem with them making money on that skill and that talent like 
Like, I think you've got to give him the shot because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, the Abram says, Lumio City is Paris. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, Vincent says a tweet from Nintendo says it takes place in that city. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then Eat Demon says, Ascent Precursor Civilization France is set in the XY region. Okay. Mm. Uh, let's see if we got anything else from you guys. Uh, Vince, remember Legends Arceus launched in January. This could do the same thing or March alongside Switch 2. That's true. Yep. Uh, anything else you guys got for us before we get into the heart of the show? Here we go. The legacy at this point, outside of indies, who is hiring? Nobody. Well, I mean, there are studios starting every day. If you here and you, there, yeah. But if you go to Sifted every day, it's almost every other day. There's a new studio announced. So, so there's definitely are, not enough jobs to handle yeah. all the people oh, no. who are laid off. No, 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 no. But those studios that are forming have the pick of the litter right now. It's a great time. Mitch, what's going on, man? Good to see you. Uh, Mitch says, who now works at Naughty Dog. Um, game devs take four months to get back to you applying to them. It's an extremely long process. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um, the legacy reminds us that Netflix is making Bioshock, um, which should be interesting. Um, let's see if there's anything Although else. Although, once again, you're kind of, you're again in believe it when I see it mode for that one. Yeah. Netflix um, usually does come through, though. Barry Lomax is excited for Elden Ring DLC. He says it's going to be good DLC. They're calling it an expansion. Yeah, it will be Elden Ring 1.5, basically. Um, Vincent asked, do you think it would have been better received if they hadn't announced that it existed a long time ago? I guess he's talking about Erdtree DLC. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it that's did a good question. Take a lot longer than anybody thought it would, I think. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, so there you go. That's our housekeeping for episode 378. It's time to get into the bulk of the show, including our highly anticipated review of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. But before that, here's a word from our sponsor, L.S. Cream. L.S. Cream is a fine cream liqueur created by fellow gamer and sifter Stevens Charles. It's inspired by an ancestral recipe from Haiti called Cray Mass and a double gold winner for its original taste at the New York Wine and Spirit International Competition. Ellis Cream can be enjoyed on the rocks or as a mixer for drinks with its rich blend of fresh cream and neutral grain spirits with notes of coconut, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. It's great in coffee or to make espresso martinis. To learn more, discover amazing drink recipes, or to track down your own bottle using a handy store locator, head to creamls.com slash sifted. That's creamls.com slash sifted. Marcus, I know you enjoy a fine drink every once in a while. I don't know if you've ever tried LS Cream, but I highly recommend it. It's not scotch. It is Definitely a weaker alcohol that you can mix with a bunch of other awesome stuff, but I know that you love mixing drinks. So get yourself a bottle of LS Cream. Go to creamls.com slash sifted. You can go there. You can search your zip code to find where you can buy it locally. You can figure out how to buy it online. It is an incredible liqueur that goes with so many different things. I love it in so many different situations. Marcus, you should definitely check it out if you're still in our chat. Again, go to he cream. Is, but he says he can't drink much anymore because of the meds. Oh, really? Interesting. Well, your, your, your alcohol budget of the week is well spent on LS Cream. Yes, it is. Um, and again, it's, 
it's not like it's scotch cozy. where it's like it's a cozy you can make cozy drinks with ls cream for sure yeah marcus it's not like a crazy hardcore liquor where you like take a sip and you're like it warms up your whole body it's a liqueur that you mix with other stuff like with hot chocolate or coffee or whatever and it makes it delicious you should definitely check it out again go to creamls.com slash sifted make sure you use that url so they know that you're coming from watching our show and we'd appreciate it very much a big thanks as always to ls cream for sponsoring game face and with that it's time to get on with the show proper a game you guys have been waiting to hear us talk about probably for about two years now since we've known it was announced and that game is final fantasy 7 rebirth i will just fully admit right now i have not finished this game i am about 40 hours into the game at this point it is a big game and i will say right off the top that i don't i'm right now i do not i'm not hoping for the game to end <laughs> which if you remember my takes on the first final fantasy 7 remake i got about 18 hours into it and i could go no further i have had no such issues with its sequel i am still playing still enjoying it still having a blast but boy do i have some things to share about this game let me tell you uh first I guess I'll give you a synopsis of the story. Um, you guys probably know if you played the first remake that a bunch of stuff went down and they're basically escaping Midgar at the end of that game. This game kicks off with them literally getting out of Midgar. Now, I will say this too, Matt. The demo that everybody played is the beginning of the game. I will also say this too. We, we mentioned this in Game Face before about how you could play the demo, and then when you played the official retail version that came out, you wouldn't have to play through that same section again. You could skip it. Well, that kind of works. You actually do end up playing through kind of the beginning of the demo and the end of the demo, but there's a big chunk in the middle that they do let you skip and not play through. When I first started playing the retail version, I was like, oh, it's broken. Like, it's not working the way that it's supposed to. It does. It just takes a little while before they finally give the option to skip out of the parts that you played in the demo. So, and also, by the way, that demo has been updated with more content. The game comes out on Thursday. Is that right? The 29th? 29th, yeah. Yeah. So day after tomorrow it comes out. Anything that you play over the next couple days on that demo will carry over to the final version of the game. People think he looks like a dog. Yeah, well, there's a joke in the game yeah. where someone calls him a dog and he gets very pissed. As he should. He looks like clearly a cat. <laughs> it looks like a cat to me, too. Um, this it's different be- in the PlayStation 1 version because who can tell what the hell that's right. to be. Yeah, but like, <laughs> that, that, that is a cat. Yeah, yeah. Before we get past the B-roll, I should point out that this is a card game inside. It's called, like, the Queen's Blood or whatever. It's a card game inside Rebirth, and it you play it a lot. Mm. Um it took me a while to even understand it's what so I was... It's so weird to like, me that, the, that Final Fantasy became so obsessed with card games, starting with, like, with 8. That was, yeah. that was where they started that, right? Yeah. Well, this game in general is loaded with mini games and little side stuff to do, which, to me, has made it much easier to continue playing versus the first Final Fantasy VII mm. remake. It switches things up consistently. Like, every 45 minutes... Like, that feels like a direct response to that question. It really does. Yeah. Um... So anyway, for those of you who maybe That's didn't good. play... Responding to criticism is a little kind of new for this series. That's true. That's a good point. Um, for those of you who maybe didn't play the first remake, here's a very quick plot synopsis. So at the end of the last remake, Cloud and crew are getting out of Midgar. It kicks off. You're into Midgar. And what happens as soon as it starts is that Sephiroth Sefer- Seth- discovers his origins and where he comes from. I'm not going to spoil all that. 
but he finds out where he really comes from, where, what his origins are, and he basically loses his shit and goes crazy and starts mm-hmm. murdering pretty much everybody that he had a relationship with. He has this very dysfunctional relationship with his mother, who he discovers isn't exactly who he thinks it, she is, and that kind of sets the stage. So yeah, he basically realizes he's from Alabama. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And all goes to hell. <laughs> so Sephiroth, as I said, kills a bunch of people that Cloud and crew care about. Well, he also killed the president of Shinra. And his son, the president of Shinra's son, Rufus, takes over Shinra, which we used to be a weapons dealer. Now they're like a weapons dealer slash electric company. So he takes over Shinra, and he also is out for revenge against Sephiroth. And so, in a roundabout way, that again, I'm not going to spoil, he basically hires Cloud and crew to kill Sephiroth. And that's the basic plot of the game. I'm not going to go into too mm-hmm. much more than that. Um, Although it is a quarter century old game. So. It is. And um, they, I will say this too, they do stick pretty close to the major tenets of the plot. Um, I didn't... The divergence here wasn't too extreme. I think that a real diver- I think obviously the divergence is sort of hinted and hinted at in the near the end of the first one. I don't think those divergences are really going to matter too much until the third one. Yeah, that could be. Um, so anyway, that's your basic goal and plot of the game is you're trying to kill Sephiroth. Now I'm not going to ruin all the plot twists and get there and everything, but I will say this, and we talked about this after Matt and I played the demo. They do a great job of making you care about Se- Sephiroth. First, with him ingratiating himself to you, you thinking, wow, he's a good dude. You know, why is he the villain of this game? Why has he traditionally been looked at as a bad guy? Unless it makes you wonder. And then the heel turn in this, also very powerful, believable, which I would argue is not a, is not a tenant of this game and a lot no, of the, the plot twists. The, you barely can understand what anybody's doing or why in the original game. It's it's and some of that's probably the English translation. Like it was not a very great yeah. localization, um, despite how high profile it was. One one of the things I've been I was most interested in about a potential remake for all these years was how if you remake this with modern localization and and you know with how you know translations and localizations are not afterthoughts anymore yeah and how do you make this story make sense yeah or maybe how do you retranslate this so it makes sense in a way that it made sense in the original japanese i don't know Mm -hmm. um now in the first remake the answer to that was not really yeah um right it's still pretty dumb Mm -hmm. um and from the demo it still is pretty dumb yeah I haven't, Sephiroth, fi- I haven't finished talking about the story yet but it's the first time <laughs> in the history of the final fantasy 7 brand where i saw scenes with sephiroth where i'm like okay i understand why this guy becoming a bad guy is so shocking to everybody yeah. um, it sells it better in this than it did I mean, in the original go- game oh, I, think. Every, I mean i don't like the first remake game but even that does all that better yeah. i mean i don't really need like a like a 10 hour side story about who like way uh, wedge biggs and jesse but like <laughs> you know if you're gonna do that you might as well make them characters right yeah yeah i agree um, you might as well make midgar feel like a real place people live in and i think for the most part they pull that off i agree um so the overall plot i'm pretty cool with and, and it kept <laughs> yeah it kept me going no problem 
it's just there's little things in this game. I like um, that like everyone's super hot in this game until they're a com- comedic character. It's like yeah, then oh, they're the, ugly. Ch- the Chocobo guy's a goon, yeah. but like everybody else, <laughs> it's like perfect basically, yeah. perfect human beings. Like there's no pocket for all their hair gel. I don't yeah, understand yeah. why they where they keep all that. Yeah, because Cloud definitely doesn't look like that when he gets up from the inn. Yeah. Now one thing I will say is that this game does have dialogue options in it where you can choose like what but there's always like they're always hurting you towards the one option it gives mm-hmm. you the perception of choice but there really isn't perception's a strong word there yeah, it's just yeah. Sort of like you get you get to <laughs> do a thing now the conversations that you have don't have that much of an impact on the story it's more what you choose to do in the game so decisions you make in the gameplay and the design part of the game do affect your relationships with the other characters and it does have an impact on gameplay so if you do things that makes another character like you when you go and fight out in the field it increases your synergy abilities with those people. And you can see it. Like, you do something, all of a sudden Tifa is like, your relationship with Tifa is deepened, and Tifa likes you more, or whatever. And the next time you go into a fight, if you get into a big brawl, and you get to the point where your synergies have come online, you chances are you'll see a new synergy between you and Tifa that you can use on the battlefield. So those relationship decisions that you make, some of you you make, you don't even realize it. You're just playing the game, and all of a sudden, one of the other characters will react to something that you did. You're like, oh, I didn't realize it was that important or whatever. It does affect the actual gameplay. Um, and that I like about it. I, I found it unpredictable. I didn't feel like I always knew like what I was doing was going to affect the story or was going to affect the gameplay. Now, I will say this. A lot of decisions don't feel like they affect the story that much. They do affect the gameplay. It doesn't it seem to change the plot arcs all that much. No, honestly. I wouldn't expect anything to change the story in yep. this game. Um, now let's talk about this stuff. It's a little, it's a little off. Now your mileage is going to vary on some of this stuff depending on your tolerance for it. How do you feel about Tifa in this game? Matt? You've seen enough B-roll to see what she looks like in the game. I don't really have an opinion on Tifa. I mean, in the in the demo, she was just the same old like she was doing all the stupid, goofy anime shit. Yeah. Even more than the other characters, really. Like mm-hmm. she's she's like the waifu. She's uh, the waifu. Yeah. I I, I found her. I, I find most of Tifa's portrayal in in these games like really embarrassing. That's the way I would put it. It's for Tifa for me. Tifa is equal parts embarrassing and funny at the same time, and I struggle to figure out whether the developers are playing on this if this is intentional mm-hmm. if they're like we're just going to make tifa the biggest bimbo it is very and actually that's kind of i think that's actually one of my main issues with the last one and maybe this one at least from the demo is like i can never tell how aware the the makers of this game are that what they're making is ridiculous there are a lot of as you play this game there are a lot of hints barrett a lot of his vocal samples are very breaking the fourth wall very self-aware mm. he hums the battle tune when battles finish sometimes yeah i remember he did that in the last one yeah he goes it's so much there is, there's a lot of whimsy and a lot of goofy stuff in this and it's so to me it's so at odds with the the, the with the visual style and presentation yeah like, you're gonna make everything looks so realistic and and like just like have that kind of verisimilitude to it and then everybody's running around like they're in a fucking ranma episode yeah it's it's very strange and 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 this guy's back yeah barrett has other one-liners too like he one time he he says to cloud he says you've got some weird friends man like he he, ain't wrong right but he's the (laughs) one that makes me wonder if the developers all along are like Mm -hmm. in on the joke well especially because i mean i guess barrett's the character used for that because barrett feels the least like he's part of that crew like like Barrett 
like even in some of the shots in the b-roll here like everyone's standing around like this flawless anime crew and then in the background barrett's there with one arm replaced with a gatling gun just staring like <laughs> and he's like, like yeah. barrett just wants to get on with it he's pretty just, much like, yeah yeah because the planet's dying cloud yeah you know, like you know yeah. he's all business and was in the first one too but it, yeah, making him sort of the fourth wall breaker i guess is a nice swerve yeah but there's just all kinds of goofy stuff in this that just if you you have to turn your brain off to enjoy the plot in this game for example there's one section where um, almost minutes. Oh, so there's like I don't understand this world, Matt. There are there's television and TV reporters, just like mm-hmm. CNN or whatever, advanced technology. But then you actually go out and people have no running water and have like minimal electricity. Like mm-hmm. I, the world itself doesn't make any sense to me at all. No, it doesn't. Uh, it, it's it like never did. You have if you the, the more you think about this game. The work, yeah. the less you're there, gonna like. The, there's no thought put into how the world fits together. No, um, and there never was. Like that was always, I was, I was always confusing to me how that all worked in the original game. And then as they bring out more, you know, as the time went on, they put out, you know, they put out the Dirge of Cerberus, they put out Advent Children, and you know, the higher graphical fidelity let them portray kind of the world more like this, you know, in that kind of high tech soldiers and like more and more. I'm like, what is? How does that work? What's the dichotomy? Especially if like the power, I guess, comes from the life stream. And Shinra is kind of the power company, basically. So you either get power from Shinra, or if you can't afford it, you live like a peasant. Yep. Um, and everyone seems kind of fine with that, um, unless they're drunk at the bar and complaining about it. But, like, that's really not very common. Um, to me, like, the balance on this sort of thing was struck in Final Fantasy VI with the Magitech stuff. Where, like, the high-tech stuff w- was powered by magic, so mm-hmm. of course nobody else had. Everyone right, else right. had been kind of a standard fantasy world, but if you had access to magic and espers, you had this sort of steampunk sort yeah, of yeah. level of things. And they went m- way more... I mean, I remember the, the the reactions to just the fact that the intro movie had a train in it. Yeah. You know, like the fact that there's industry was... I mean, obviously that's part of the point of the story, is like Shinra's, you know, kind of... You know, there's a Jurassic Park element here. Where, yeah. Because people forget Jurassic Park is not about, you know, cautionary tale about science going too far. It's a cautionary tale about commodification and and uh, promotion and consumerism going too far. Right. And that's also what, the, you know, this is an environmental message about exploiting the planet and co- consumption causing damage. Um, and in the end, that's what is really what causes the thing to happen that makes Sephiroth lose his Like, the reason Sephiroth... You're right. His origins cause him distress is because he is the ultimate product of that and one of the things he's doing is trying to destroy Shinra and destroy that I mean he's trying to aggrandize himself in the process and probably kill everyone else in the world in the in, along the right. way yeah um, so you kind of got to stop him but like one of the things that in theory I don't think they ever quite get there in the original game one of the things that comp- supposedly compelling about Sephiroth is he's not co- totally wrong Mm-hmm. Like, like there's an element of like you got to stop this lunatic, but also when you find out why he's doing what he's doing, um, if if you can filter it through, like imagine it was written well, it's like, oh yeah, that is actually a pretty good, you know. I'm not saying he's Killmonger and Black Panther, but you're not you're sitting there at the end being like, okay, like I see why you do this, but then you turn into a giant monster with with wings. So, who <laughs> there's gives a, a lot shit? of love hate in this though. It's not just with Sephiroth; it's also with Rufus, with the president, the new president yeah. of Shinra. It's like he's a douche. He's like. Everybody hates him in the region. He's, like, causing all kinds of unrest in the area. But you need to partner up with him because you both have a, a goal. So, yeah. well, I mean, the- Shinra is real, the real villain 
in the. I mean, obviously right. Sephiroth is the villain of the mo- of the game in the sense that there's always a main villain. There's always a Kefka or a mm-hmm. whoever. But like Shinra is the worst thing in the world in the mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII world. Yeah. You know that it, Shinra causes they're the evil empire. distress for yeah. everybody. You know, mm-hmm. or Sephiroth is a ex- is a existential threat. But even if you take care of Sephiroth. Like the one, and Barrett brings it up in the original game. Like even if we deal with Sephiroth, Shinra's still there. Yeah. And then part of the problem with teaming up with Shinra is that Shinra still is working on their own ways to stop Sephiroth, and a lot of their ways to stop Sephiroth are going to be horribly environmentally for destructive for everyone else. Yeah. And horrible for everyone else. So like yeah. they, you get kind of caught between trying to stop them and stop Sephiroth, and like you can only do so much. Yeah. Um. It's like it's not a bad idea, but it's just it just. It's so tedious. It's, yeah, it, I mean, the first one was. I haven't played. What you're describing though is the very best of the story yeah. in Rebirth. Like there are so many other things that are just like, what the hell? There was a, an, a I had an epiphany playing this game where I looked at the TV screen and I saw a dog slash cat riding a six foot chicken, and I was just like, what the hell am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what is this? What am I doing with my time? Like. I almost, like, stopped playing at that moment. I was like, seriously, <laughs> yeah. I just had this moment of self-reflection where I'm like, what am I doing with my time? I am playing a game where a dog cat is riding a six-foot chicken. And then, like, there's scenes in it in the game where, say you're in a boss fight, and Barrett has unloaded his gun, like, 85 times in a boss fight. And then it's, like, the scene after the boss fight, and he's, like, holding the boss, like, hostage with the gun. And the boss mm. is like, whoa. It's like, dude. Well, the boss knows he's got only one hit point. Left, he just so. he just emptied, like, 80 <laughs> clips into you. And now all of well, a sudden. this one's going to do it. This is the yeah, one. This, <laughs> it just said stuff like that over and over again. Yeah. Where if you don't turn off your brain, you're like, what is right. going on? I mean, that's, I mean, like, 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 when you mentioned that before we did the show, I'm like, that's all JRPGs do that. I think one of the reasons that sticks out so much is this game is so well produced. The production well, value is so, so realistic. High. Like it yeah. looks so real yeah. and it looks so filmic. And then that happens and you're like, what are you doing? What is like, going on? Like there's yeah. a, there's a there's a ludo narrative dissonance between how the game plays and how the game presents itself. Yeah. And it's just a I mean that is not unique to this game. That is a pretty constant square problem. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, especially with Nomura's games. Mm-hmm. Like like Nomura does not give a shit if the gameplay matches the narrative. Yeah. It's just not a concern. Yeah. Um and maybe it shouldn't be a concern cuz it seems to do fine without it. But like in 16, I didn't feel like that. I I didn't feel and sometimes I mean, sometimes you hold people at sword point after a thing, but they kind of look beaten, you know. Right. Like, yeah. But um, I mean, I, it's, it's also a, a product of the whole like you have you know ever since thir- thirteen, there's that thing where you got to wear down the stagger bar, and then when they're staggered, you can do a lot of damage, and then they're back up, you got to do the stagger bar. It's like yeah. they just everything becomes a damage sponge. Yep. To allow That's the combat no system, here. <laughs> yeah, to allow the combat system to shine, <laughs> and that doesn't really add up to like the usefulness of a gun. No, you're you right. know, <laughs> yeah. there was a point where I was playing this, I was just like, what? Imagine if you just sat somebody down with this game. They've never heard of Final Fantasy. They've never heard of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> They've never heard of Segways. They've never heard of Segways. And you plop them down and you're like, That is such Play a this weird game. image. Like, what would they think about this? A, again, a dog cat riding a chicken. It's, the game itself is so bizarre. But we've because we are gamers all who... all that lays on. It's, yeah, it's just... I don't know. Like, I, I guess maybe... I, it feels like, from what I've seen, like, I guess if you grew up around the t- you know if you were 12 when this original game came out and you grew up with that sort of 
you know, Naruto, like, kind of One Piece, like, era, like, if you, if you grew up with the, kind of the Shonen Jump anime, like, on TV, and, like, kind of, like, as your, as your afternoon entertainment, Mm -hmm. like, growing up in the late 90s, like, this all maybe doesn't come off quite so ridiculous, because that's just the tone those shows have, Mm -hmm. um, but for me, who was, you know, in my early 20s when that happened and could not, you know, the only Naruto experience I have is the games I had to play for B-roll for X-Play in the early 2000s, (laughs) like, it's, it's, it's just stupid. Like it, it must be like what those kids would think if they watch like GI Joe or Transformers. It's yeah. Just, you know, this scene's great too, where Tifa and Eris show up in their bathing suits, and he's just like, "Does not compute. Yeah. Does not compute. It is a woman wearing no clothes. I'm going to break now and run away awkwardly." Like, where did where did Barrett get the sailor suit? Yeah, that's the best what, part of this whole scene. <laughs> what, what is he? Do, what are you doing? You have. Come to a beach resort town, basically. But and why is he in a sailor's? Where did who? Where did who gave that to him? And why did he still keep the hat on? It's this game is filled with stuff like that. And either you can turn your brain off, and he's still so mad, and just enjoy <laughs> it, so or it's going to drive you bonkers. I mean, the game is just weird. There's no other way to put it. Like I can't. I have not played a game in years where my wife chimed in as often as this one, mm. and not even just like. Watching the, I'll get to the music in a bit. The music's freaking weird. <laughs> like even the music in this game is bizarre. Like it's just what I've discovered playing this it's is weird we've all like, been conditioned to just accept this insanity because we've we've known Final Fantasy VII since we were young whippersnappers and a lot of people played it when they were twelve. As you said, we've just accepted the weird. But it, for whatever reason, while I was playing this, I managed to reach this moment of clarity where all of that stuff just washed away. And I saw the game for exactly what it is, and I was like, "Holy crap, this is crazy!" Mm-hmm. Well, like, and like <laughs> there's a lot of that kind of in general, like, like why does this come off as so dissonant and weird and off-putting to me? Whereas, like, a game like Yakuza, which also portrays itself mm-hmm. realist- as realistically as it can, given yeah. the graphics of whatever time the game comes out in. Like you can have a ninety-minute cutscene about of men sitting around in a in a beachside orphanage talking about real estate scams, yeah. And then ten minutes later, you're confronting a bunch of mafia guys in diapers in a secret apartment, yeah. And yelling about punching tigers, yeah. And it's like for some reason that works for me, and this doesn't, <laughs> and I don't really know why. That's pretty funny, actually, to think about. Because um, Yakuza is just as ridiculous, and like even the visuals in the new one are almost as realistic as what you're seeing no, you're here. Right. But for some yeah. reason, that absurdity works; it tracks. Yeah, and this doesn't, and yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why Yakuza earns that somehow, and this feels like it doesn't. I feel like this game tries to play it earnest a little more often than Yakuza. Somewhat. I always feel like Yakuza never takes his tongue out of his cheek. Not this 100%. one tries at times to but like. It also doesn't help that like a lot the people in Yakuza do generally feel like real people. Like they feel like actual human beings saying lines human beings would say in some of these situations, and like they want, you know, identifiable things, and like even if they're shitty or weird or whatever, even even Kiryu, like. You know, he wants to protect his family, and he wants his... And, like, he's pretty straightforward about that, and he he doesn't act weird about it. Whereas, like, I've never known anyone like Cloud Strife. <laughs> Cloud Strife is a fucking weirdo <laughs> yeah. on a level that you just leave the room if you yeah. had to deal with him. Like, it's, you're just like, bro, just yeah. fucking talk. Just yeah. say something. Like, it's frustrating. Like, yeah. they're weird in a frustrating way to me. You have to turn your brain off to play this. If you tu- if you don't turn your brain off, you'll be like, "What am I doing with my life?" Like literally, don't think while you play through the plot. Parts of it are fine. Like the main overarching plot, 
totally sells it. Mm-hmm. I totally hate Sephiroth. I totally understand why we banded together with Shinra to kill him. All that stuff is fine. It's when you start getting into the actual minutia of the storytelling where things start to get weird. Now, one thing well, I will say... this with the Turks, where it's like, they're, they're presented so cool with their X-Files suits and their mm-hmm. men of and they're fucking morons yeah. in the story. Like, they do all the dumbest... I mean, maybe that's the point. There's, but, like, the first game... The original game kind of portrayed them sort of as comedy relief. Like, yeah. when they showed up, it's like, oh, now they're fighting against these, these idiots. And in this one, it's sort of like... they're they feels like they're supposed to be cool. They're supposed to be a kind yeah. of a threat. They're the, they're the secret police of Shinra sort of thing. But they're still stupid when it comes to the plot. It's so they're not weird. a big part of the plot, I would add. That's Remember they had the, their own mobile game at one point? Yeah. yeah. That didn't even come here? Yep. They're not as big a deal in this, for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Well, maybe because of what you said. Like, it just wasn't adding up for them. I would, I would, I mean, maybe that's one of the f- things that they just couldn't figure a way to synthesize into the modern presentation of it. Possible. Because it, it's such, because they are pretty con- consistently involved in the middle of that story in the original game. That's true. To yep. the point he gets sick of seeing them. Yeah. Now, one thing I will say is the side quests in this are really, really good. Like, mm. I was, sh- this is probably the most pleasant surprise for me from this game was how good the side quests were. Um, there's one where this mom is trying to deliver a bunch of money to her son who's estranged, so she can't do it, so she hires you to do it, but she sends her dog to do it, really? And so you follow this little pooch around the world as he's trying to deliver money to his owner's son, and along the way, you just take on, like, a string of, like, crazy, like, tough enemies or whatever. Um... And you care about the pooch. The pooch has his little health meter there. And if he gets down to zero before you make it to the destination, you have to start the whole thing over again. I found that one to be really good. It lasted for like 45 minutes, which is just crazy. There's another one where you have to investigate a lighthouse. Like none of the side missions are like, hey, I'm getting this mission here. And now I need to go 100 yards over here and pick up something from somebody and then bring it back over here. And none of the side quests are like that. Now I'll say this too there aren't as many as you might expect because I do feel like they've cut out the chaff. They've cut out those really corny, easy... Like, I've heard a lot of people describe this game as bloated. It's a gigantic game, but I've never felt like it was bloated. Like, I've never played anything where I was like, why is this in here? Or why... The only, Maybe the one thing I would say that they do use to drag it out a little bit is you do have to play the card game Queen's Blood a little more than I want to. Mm. How much time do you have to spend looking at a Chocobo's ass? Very little. Okay. Unless you want to get the gold one. Right. Exactly. Um, the other thing I would say, too, though, about the Chocobo is to get the Chocobo, you have to do it in each region. So mm-hmm. you have to go find the Chocobo, sneak around with stealth to get it behind it, and then jump on it to tame it. And when you go to a new region, you have to do it all over again. But that Chocobo in that new region generally will have, like, a new ability. Like, the second Chocobo you get gets the ability to walk up the walls. And the third one gives you another ability. But you have to go through the whole process every time of taming it for that region, and then you can ride it. Um, And then the fast travel in this is just overly generous. So you've seen probably in the B-roll, there's these little, like, bus stops that you can find. Mm -hmm. Once you find one of those, as long as you have a cushion, you can put the cushion down, and then you can restore your hit points and your magic points. And it becomes a fast travel point at that point. And they're, they are just everywhere. There's a bus stop every 100 virtual yards in this. So once you start... So that's what you want in Final Fantasy. Yeah. bus stops. Right. Well, once you get out in the world and start playing the game, like, the travel and stuff in this is great. Like, I, the chocobos are a little awkward to control, and I feel like they need a, med- a speed between its slowest and its second slowest speed. 
I can't find the right speed to just kind of cruise around and look at stuff at the same time. I haven't found that. But the bottom line is with all the fast travel options in it, you don't even need to use the Chocobo all that much to get around. So I found that the the fast travel and the the mounts and stuff in this game to work pretty darn well. I was pretty impressed with it. Um, let's talk about the gameplay. We talked about it a good bit when we played the demo. I'll just go over it really quickly here. Um, there are five in your party, but well, actually you can have six in your party at a certain point, but only three ever really fight, um, which I found a little bit interesting. So the extras, the people who sit like on the, the fringes will throw like magic spells and stuff, but it doesn't appear to do anything. Like I, now one thing I will say is if like your hit points are down and you maybe have already lost like one of your party members, you can hit x to bring up the menus in combat and then tap triangle and you can use those those extra party members that are on the fringe to do a big team up attack but that is a very that's like a very specific situation it's not something that you can do all the time otherwise they're just hanging out on the fringes like doing nothing basically and i'll say this too like you can take control of your party members whenever you want so you hit x you can go to your list of stuff to do but then you can tap the shoulder buttons and cycle through your other party members and you can control them as well however if you let your party members just do their thing they're not great like they're not going to help you beat anything in this game um, sometimes they will occasionally stagger an enemy but hardly ever usually you need to take control of them manually and then choose the thing that will make the enemy stagger yourself they won't just do it on their own so i did find the ai for your party members to be kind of lacking even though you can take them over yourself and control pretty much everything that they do um i talked a little bit about the open world already it really is an open world and i would argue it's more open than like god of war 2018 or ragnarok there are more open wide open areas than there are in those games um so I already talked about how the fast travel works with the chocobos and the bus stops, the fast travel. Um, but there's also towers in this game, just like Assassin's Creed, that you need to find and synchronize. And usually how it works is you get to a tower. There's a couple kind of tough enemies around the tower that you need to defeat first. Defeat them, walk in, flip the switch, and then it does exactly like Assassin's Creed. It goes to the aerial view. It shows the antenna doing its thing. Then it cuts to the map, and it shows the map uncovering all this little stuff that you search for and find on your own without sort of sinking that area. So it does borrow a good bit of stuff from Assassin's Creed, but only the good stuff for the most part. Um, as far as shaping your party members, I feel like the game does most of it automatically. Like you level up automatically, your weapons level up automatically. You don't have any control over your skill points or anything like that, but you do have these things called folios, which are just basically skill trees for each character. Um, and that's basically how you can shape your character the most. You do get new weapons and armor, but I mean, I'm an hour 40 and I think cloud has four weapons to choose from at this point. Like you don't get them very often. And as I said, they level up and they get more powerful as time goes on. Um, but I was very reluctant to get rid of the Buster sword. <laughs> oh, it is his sword. Well, it's also, as you go through the game, you hear people in all of it. They'll say, oh my God, he has a Buster sword. Like, it's a thing that people are like, damn, homie's got the Buster sword. And so when you get rid of it, like, they don't say anything. Even though the other weapons are more powerful, they don't care about those. They only mm -hmm. care about the Buster sword. Um, and then also you can set materia, which helps shape, um, your teammates as well. 
And those are basically just buffs that you can assign to your gear. So each piece of gear has X number of slots in it. You can fill those with materia and all of them do something small. Like it'll boost your hit points by 200. It'll increase some stat by 15% or whatever. Or the, they're the things that give you your spells. They, and, right, I was getting to that. So the most important thing is that they give you your spells and they give you your summons. Um, and definitely when you start talking about boss fights in this game, making sure you have the right summons equipped makes a big difference because combat in this game is all about the elements. That's all it is. So you have one ability that most of the people in the party can get called assess and you use that on an enemy and it basically shows you all their weaknesses. Now there are some enemies that don't have any weaknesses, so it's not very healthy or very handy there, but most do. And once they show you their elemental weakness, once you use that spell on them, it's all over. It doesn't matter if they're a boss, a mini boss, a rank and file enemy. Once you figure out what their weakness is, hit them with it once, they're staggered, and you just wipe them out. And that is really the key to the whole game. Now, again, they do mix it up a little bit later on, and they start giving you enemies without weaknesses. And that's when you know you just need to use blunt force trauma, generally, to overwhelm the enemy and, and kill them that way. Uh, but all that elemental stuff is crazy important in this game. Using Assess is crazy important in this game because you'll find eventually, you're seeing early footage here in this B-roll right now, but you'll find eventually you'll stumble into enemies that will wipe your ass out. Like you're just running along the open world and here's some weird thing that's like this tall and has like two tentacles and it whacks you twice and kills you. And you attack it, you're like chipping at it, it won't do anything. You assess it. It's like, oh, it hates fire. You hit it with a fireball, it's just dead. Like, that's pretty much how the whole game works. I'd also argue, too, that the enemy designs in this are terrible. They are some of the ugliest, most unattractive, like, just flat-out dumb enemies I've ever seen. I understand they're trying to create 3D versions of enemies that were created back in, like, 1995 and Yeah, but that's also been a problem for this series going forward from here too like it's horrible i mean it's, the enemy the monster designs are so bad i mean the worst monster designs in the history of the franchise there's 13 i think yeah Cause, cause they have that weird, i would probably agree with that that we i can't i don't even know how to describe i don't either how do you describe the aesthetic of that yeah game? i don't know <laughs> there's no word for it but the fossil stuff is just repulsive yeah. to me like not and not even repulsive in sort of a just like it's just that like, like the I'm bosses just, are okay Almost all... I did not come across a single rank-and-file enemy where I was like, oh, cool. Like, they're just all... Well, I, also, I also don't think a lot... Like, even the enemies are just fine. I, they don't fit in the world. Like, no. Like, if those things are 10 feet from town, where are the walls? Yeah. Like, what... <laughs> exactly. And event, yeah, eventually, like, you come into these enemies that... Um, I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but there's this whole kind of, like, private, like, cult sect that just is around the game. There are these dudes that walk around mm. with, like, hoods and robes on. Are the Kingdom Hearts-looking guys? Yeah. yeah. They're all over the game. I assume they're related to the deviants, the, the, the divergent stuff. I'm not going to spoil much. But okay. one thing I will say is that some of these goofy-looking enemies will take them over. They come and fly down and, like, possess them and become these gigantic, like, monsters or whatever. And part of the rush, it was also in Banishers, is getting to the enemies and killing them mm -hmm. before they can possess and become a much stronger enemy, which I think is an okay mechanic. Um, what else we got here for the combat? Um, one thing I did find that I liked about it is that you can succeed in this game using different styles of combat. So, you know, I'm kind of like the Russian blunt force trauma guy, figure out how to stagger him and then unload, but... You can actually be very good at this game playing defensively and blocking. And in fact, I think blocking builds up your ATB gauge way faster than actually attacking. 
Um, and so your ATB gauge is what gives you the ability to perform your abilities, your special abilities, basically. And like, there's lots of time in this game where you don't have any ATP gauge and you're running around in circles, avoiding like a boss or whatever, just waiting for that ATP gauge to go fing so you have your ability again. Well, if you block, you're almost never without ATB charges in this. So there is, it is very functional to play this game defensively and still play it very, very well, which I was, again, pleasantly surprised by that you could play this game in different ways and still be successful with it. In fact, again, I think playing a more defensive role in this is actually easier and more effective than just going in and just trying to lay down the, the punishment. At least I thought it well, was. Well, that sword's got to be big and wide for a reason. Yeah. You might as well block with it. Yeah, experimenting can pay off in this, which I was surprised by. I really didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought there was going to be one way to get through every skirmish. Now, granted, using the right attacks or spells, elemental attacks or spells, generally will win most, most skirmishes for you, but not all of them. Like I said, some of them don't have any weaknesses, and that's when you need to focus more on the ATB gauge in defense or offense. Um, and there's climbing in this game. is goofy AF. Like, they make you climb up these walls. It's like you're constantly fiddling yeah. with the stick, trying to get it to go in the right direction. It's that was like, weird in the demo because it was like, you know, everything else felt pretty smooth control-wise, and as soon as you start climbing something, I'm like, what are you? It felt like almost like it wasn't responding. Well, sometimes. then they start following you. So there's like scenes where you're like climbing and you look up and they're all climbing down the wall like behind. It's just bizarre. Like, I don't know why they just didn't say hold stick up, you go up the wall, hold mm. stick down, you go down. But you actually have to point like, oh, here's a handhold that's like a couple feet off center. I need to hold the stick in that direction to grab it. So like you, there's a lot of times where you're holding the stick and you can't like get mm -hmm. him to actually climb or down the wall. It's just annoying. I don't know why they did it that way. And then another thing, just a general gameplay comment, is that you are always in the menus in this game. Like, it's not that it gives you, like, incremental gear that you're constantly checking to see if it's, like, one percentage higher and something or whatever. But you're constantly, like, fiddling with your party and adjusting the materia. So you scan an enemy. And you're like, oh, he's susceptible to thunder, like electric attacks or whatever. Oh, I only have one electric materia. So I need to go into the menu and I need to assign that electric material to one of my party members and then get rid of something else. And then you do that, you win the fight, and then you realize, oh, I don't really need the thunder material anymore. You have to go back into the menu and you re-equip what they have. It gets, you spend a lot of time doing stuff like that in this game. So if you're someone who doesn't like a lot of fiddling in menus, this game probably isn't for you. But Matt, what struck me the most about this game in general, not just with the gameplay, but just general, and I'm sure you guys are starting to realize this watching this B-roll, is the variety of this game. The gameplay variety. You never do the same thing for very long, ever. There's a couple notable sections out of the 40 hours that I've played where I was like, okay, this is a little grindy. But the fact that only two of those stood out across 40 hours of play is impressive. So you already, I already talked to you guys about the card game that I will argue you are forced to play a little bit more, but there's so much other stuff. There's a bunch of Moogle mini games, like one of them is where you're hurting them. There's a wave race, like dolphin ride thing that you play. There's one section of the game where you saw the B-roll earlier where you dress up as Shinra soldiers, and then you infiltrate a presidential inauguration for the new president of Shinra. And you, you go around, you collect all these squads of soldiers, and then you get in a formation and you do this crazy presentation for the new president that's like this music and rhythm game. That I, it's, like, it's like a music and rhythm game I've never seen before. Like, it took me a few times to even understand what they wanted from me. There's that that's in the game. Um, as you saw, there's riding segways around the resort town. 
So I will say this, as I said, the Chocobo controls, I wasn't too hype on. The Segway controls are awful. <laughs> They're absolutely abysmal. But there's only a couple missions where you actually have to use them for the most part. They're just there for kind of fun. Um, but this game just never stops throwing new stuff at you. It never really settles into a groove where you're like, I'm tired of this. And that's what happened to me with the first Final Fantasy VII Remake. I got about 18 hours in and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. It was all the same. I, the environments were the same. The thing I like about this game is that it's almost all outside. And the environments are constantly changing. Like, it's oh, there's it's sunny. There's actual sun in this game, but then it's cloudy and it's raining. Like, just the variety of environments, the things that you're doing, everything like that. Vastly superior to the first Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's not even close. And to me, that is what has got me over the hump with this game. It's got me to the point where I am at hour 40 on this game. I never dreamed I would get there. So that shows you, as Shane, a gameplay first guy, is still sticking with this game that far in, that means something. Um, as I said, the game is just very well paced. It's like you never, even the parts that drag, like there's this one section where you have to go through a mine, and it reminds me of the first remake, where you're always inside in these steel, like whatever buildings, and that lasts for like an hour or whatever. And that's one of the things that stood out for me. But for the most part, you're never doing anything more than like 15 or 20 minutes at a time before it's broken up by a chocobo race or taming a chocobo or finding some people that have these new awesome crazy side missions to do that are completely different from what you've been doing in the main missions. It's just, it does a great job of mixing things up. Boss battles, definitely difficulty spikes, but they're also perfect. It's like... The first time you fight them, you just get annihilated. Literally, you're like, I can't beat this. Maybe I need to go grind. You do not have to grind. You just need to use the accessibility to figure out the weakness of the boss. And once you do that, then you can form a strategy. So the first time you get wiped out, but you probably manage to use assess before you get killed. You go in the second time, you're like, okay, I know I need to use fire or electric or something like that to fight this boss. And then you learn the ins and outs of actually finding the time to use those spells before you get hit. Probably get close to winning, but don't. And then the third time, you walk through it. I have not fought a single boss in this game more than three times. It is the perfect process every time. Um, again, uh, that is that is a nod, I think, to classic Final Fantasy. That's one thing that Final Fantasy has kind of done throughout. Like, you fight that boss the first time, you're like, how in the hell? He has so many hit points or whatever. Second time you fight him, you're like, oh, I get it now. Third time you fight him, perfect it, and probably beat him. And that pedigree has come through in this game as well. Um, there are generous respawns. If you die, you basically just respawn like 15 feet away. One thing I like that they did is if you're fighting a boss or a big enemy and you die to that enemy, they don't start you back at the beginning of the boss fight. They, you, well, you can choose, but you can choose to just choose your last checkpoint, which means when you come back, you're just standing there. And you can go in and fiddle around with your materia and your spells. You're like, oh, he's weak to fire. Who, who has fire? Where's my materia? You can go and you can do that stuff and then walk 15 feet and start the boss fight again. Instead of being trapped in that loop of like, oh, if I don't beat the boss, I have to start over and I have to watch all these cutscenes all over again. It's very, very user-friendly in that way. Um, I already talked about all the fast travel, how awesome it is. Um, chocobos I talked about already. Uh, one cool thing about the chocobos, though... And there's little touches like this in this game that, again, separate it from me over the last remake. Is after you finish a fight, it's uncanny, Matt. That cho your chocobo, as soon as you finish that fight and you finish your, like, put the sword away animation routine, 
the Chocobo cruises into frame because he knows that you. the next thing you're going to do is get on that Chocobo and ride. And it's uncanny how well it works. As soon as that fight ends, you put your sword away. You're like, where's my chut? And in comes the Chocobo. You hop on him and go. Like there's little like touches in this game like that that I think a lot of people may not notice if you don't play games a lot, but I sure did. Um, so the way they handle the Chocobos, I think, in general, is pretty cool and pretty clever. However, I'm not a big fan of having to tame one in every new region that you go to. Uh, let's talk about the audio. Matt, the, so I saw yesterday that um, the Final Fantasy composer, the legendary Final Fantasy composer, only worked a little bit on this. Mm-hmm. And then he announced that, like, hey... I'm kind of stepping back from doing full soundtracks. I think he announced that yesterday or something. Um, I can tell he did not work on this whole soundtrack because it is completely uneven. There are some amazing songs. There are amazing remixes of classic Final Fantasy songs that I'm sure fans are going to love. But then there are also just absolutely terrible songs. Songs that my wife was sitting there like pecking away like on YouTube that she heard and was like, what the F is that? And spun (laughs) around and watched. Like literally just like brain-destroying songs. I'm just like, who wrote this? Who gave this the okay? It's not just the compositions either. The quality of the recordings is all over the place. Like, the or- mm. orchestral stuff sounds great. The rock stuff, where they have, like, butt rock guitars and drum, sound terrible. Empty, hollow, horribly produced, horribly performed, horribly written. Like, the music is all over the map in this like i don't even know how to evaluate whether it's good or not some of it's great some of it's absolutely abysmal but the the thing that bothers me the most is that it doesn't match like they'll be like having this uplifting moment and there'll be this like hard driving like techno song going on in the background or they'll have this moment where everything's intense and it'll be playing like this soliloquy it's just like what is going on here it adds to the weirdness of this game drastically the other thing i would say too is like the music isn't cut to the game. This happens in a lot of Japanese games, not so much in Western games, where they just play a bed of music, mm-hmm. and it, there's all this crazy stuff is happening on screen. The people are getting angry, but the music just stays the same. And then it gets to the end of the scene, and either it just gets awkwardly cut off, or it has this dissolve on the. It's just, it's just one way that I feel Japanese game developers have not caught up to Western developers yet. How they handle the audio in their games, how they score their games, how it works with the action in the game. It's just for a AAA game like this, you don't see stuff like that in Western games like you do in Japanese games. And unfortunately, this game is also guilty of it. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about the graphics. The voice acting is amazing, though, I'll say. Everything is voiced. Like you walk around, everybody's talking. There's a couple lines that I heard where I was like, that sounds crappy. But for the most part, almost all the voice acting in this is very, very good. Great, Even great writing in a lot of cases. I was surprised by some of the writing in this. And then the, uh, um, they, they really pulled back on the stupid afternoon anime dub stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a lot less grunting, a lot less weird. Like oh, It's still in like there. It, but It's still in there, but it's much less it than is. it was. Yes. Also proving that like there was nothing wrong with the voice actors. They were just being directed to do dumb shit. No, you're right. Absolutely right. Um, the voice acting this is good, better than music, which I'm surprised by. Mm-hmm. But again, you can see that he did not work on this game 100%. That he contributed a couple things and let other people do the work, and that work is subpar. Um, and then talk about the graphics. You guys have already seen, I don't know, 40 minutes of B-roll at this point. I think you guys all know that this is a gorgeous freaking game. Like, it is just beautiful. From a technical angle, from an artistic perspective, 
Um, now again, some of the characters are a little off-putting and a little odd to look at at times and maybe don't match everything perfectly. Um, but technically, this game, I've, I've been playing it on quality, not on performance. I haven't seen any major like frame rate buckles or anything like that. That should only get better as time goes on as they keep updating the game with patches and things like that. Um, so I played it in its most pretty form and had no issues with it at all. If you're trying to figure out which mode you want to play it in. Um, and then I talked about the enemy designs, about how some of them are just completely stupid. And there are also the one... I had not had any glitches, any bugs, no crashes or anything like that. The only issue I've seen with this game at all, and this is a huge game. This is an achievement, man, to do this. Every once in a while, characters will hover above the ground. They'll be standing there, and their feet will be like a foot off the ground. And that's the only issue I've had with this game in 40 hours. It is clean code. Like, the QA on this, I can't even imagine to get it all done in time. So... Don't worry about it. crashes, other bugs, issues like that. Game runs great. Game looks great. Game doesn't sound quite as great, unfortunately. And I guess this is the moment where I have to figure out whether I should tell you to buy this game or not. Um, <laughs> I guess I've done a lot of soul searching while playing this about Final Fantasy. And the first thing I'm going to say, I like Final Fantasy 16 way more. I think it's a superior game in pretty much every way. I think as an adult you will like Final Fantasy 16 more than you will like this. Unless you are an adult who was obsessed with Final Fantasy 7 as like a 13-year-old. And in that case, you're going to love this game. And in fact, if you're a fan of Final Fantasy 7, you're going to love this game. You're going to look over all the goofy stuff that was off-putting to me. You're not going to care. You're probably going to say to yourself, that's just the way it is. That's Final Fantasy 7. If you're a fan, if you like the remake, you are going to lose your mind over this game. This game is so much better than the first remake. I, and here's why I talk about, Matt, like critics who give sky-high review scores to games that have obvious issues. How do you then say that the sequel is better? Like, they haven't. So this, the review score for this game should be way higher than it really is over the first remake. Also talking about, like, Helldivers 2, for example. It's like, how do you give that game a 9? What if Helldivers 2 comes out and it fixes all the obvious problems that it has? How do you, how do you tell people it's better than the first one? So I feel like a little bit of that is going on with this. I don't think the reviews adequately, the scores, adequately portray how much better this game is than the original remake. I, to me, this is just miles better. Mm -hmm. Um, and well, I'm, part of it is also the remake was horrendously overrated. Yeah, in the, in that's the what movies. I'm getting at. Like, they overscored it. Mm -hmm. And now they're in a place where they're like, we can't adequately portray to our users that this game is way better than the last one because we already gave that last mm -hmm. game way too high of Although, a score. to be fair, who would have thought that Square would improve? <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's, yeah. that's not something that happens every day. Yep. Um, and I guess if I had to review it in like a word or two, I would call it ridiculous awesome <laughs> so look there are those moments where i'm like this there's a dog cat riding a chicken and like what the hell is going on but there are also some really amazing moments in this and some moments that really got like my heart into the game um some moments where you feel triumph some moments where you feel despair um it really is a bit of an emotional roller coaster ride even if you haven't turned your brain off to some of the crazier elements of final fantasy 7 so um I would say, if you're a Final Fantasy fan, pick it up. You're going to love it. And I think if you're somebody like me who saw elements of the first remake and you're like, I kind of like that, but I don't like some of this other stuff, this game does a much better job of chopping out the stuff that you don't like to make a more palatable, um, more agreeable whole. Um, so I do recommend this game. 
like if I were scoring on the typical 10 point scale, like this is probably like a nine, 9.1 to me. Like, but then the original re- remake to me was like an eight. So I could very easily show if I were to review these games that this is the vastly superior one. I think it's difficult for a lot of the other publications because they gave the first one such high scores. But um, it is a quality game. And I do think that the developer struggle to, and you can see it in Garrett's lines and Garrett's self-referential quips, that they are struggling with how goofy do we make this game so that the fans will come back, but not so goofy that it will turn off new fans. Because again, I wonder, like somebody who would just sit down and play this game, there's nothing about Final Fantasy, what they would think of this game. I mean, the sales on the first one and probably the sales on this one indicate that the people who play this game are the people who play the original. Yeah. Like, you know, two, three million. And that was a huge, huge, huge game in 1997. Back in the day. Yeah. But it's not really anymore. Yeah. Um, and weird that Square hasn't suddenly popped up and been like, this didn't sell 25 million copies, and we are very disappointed in Lara Croft. Like, yeah, a different like, standard yeah. for the Western properties versus their in-house properties, mm-hmm. for sure. There's no, no doubt about that. There's a conflict of interest going on there, for sure. Um, but I would also argue that this is, you know, this is probably better than most of the Tomb Raider games that they made. It's more exciting, for sure. It's, there's more variety, for sure. Like, Tomb Raider games, you know, I got to, like, the 14-hour mark with most of those. I'm like, I'm good. And I mean, then there's, I've, like, another four hours to go or whatever. I <laughs> like, mean, the old ones, yeah, the modern ones, no. I burned I, out on those a little I've bit. I've played all three of the modern ones at least twice. Oh, wow. I played the original, the first definitive. I played that four times to 100%. Wow. Uh, so, no, I like the Tomb Raider games a lot more than, than the remake. I mean, Interesting. For one thing, I feel, I feel like, very connected to how she moves. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I think Lara feels very grounded in how she moves around and does stuff in those games. And even in it, like just climbing up stuff in this game is just like it's like he has no weight. There's no, you're no right. it you're feels right. it feels tissue thin in places. Yeah, which is weird because it looks so solid. Like, yeah, like it's just a game full of contradictions. And so is the that's first a good way one. to put it. Yeah, um, and it's like I don't know why those contradictions are there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like I said. I think they are struggling to create games for 2024 while not pissing off the fans from mm-hmm. 1997. I think that's really the issue that they have here. Yeah, because we've I, seen with Final Fantasy 16, if they're not tethered to that stuff, they do a pretty damn good job. Yeah, that does feel, you know, Clive does feel more connected to yeah, the ground. For much sure. Of the time. Yeah. Like, I don't, Literally in this game, with, they're not, their yeah. feet are off the ground in some cases. And here's the climbing I was talking about in the B-roll. It's just mm-hmm. like, why? Like, why is that in the game? It's weird. Um, so anyway, that's our review of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I'm sure you guys have some questions. So let's take a look in the chat here, see what y'all are saying. Um, Ethemon says, devs are paid way less in Japan versus the USA. I'm not sure what that's in reference to. Oh, uh, Vincent says, are you going to try and finish it before March's big games? I am. I want to finish this game. I know you guys are probably like, oh my God, like what is going on with Shane? Did somebody hit him in the head? But it, I think once you start playing this, you'll understand why I enjoyed this game. And you'll see it. You'll be like, oh, I see why Shane liked this. Um, so, yes, I am going to try it. I'm not try to finish it. I'm not going to quit. I, I'm still interested and still engaged, and I want to finish the game. I also have yet to see the big moment that everybody mm. knows from Final Fantasy VII. And so I don't know how that is resolved yet. Pretty much the same, I would imagine. I don't know, but I want to see it. I'm so. more interested in things that diverge from the original game. Yeah. Which I assume they're saving for the end of the game. Yeah. It's just um, like they did last time. Congram says, thoughts on the Metacritic score. What is it? Do you know? 
92, 93. Okay. I mean, it's a little higher than I would give it, but it's in the realm of reason. Yeah, I don't think you're going to play it and be like, those people were crazy for giving it a 92. I think pretty quickly you'll understand why. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I would give the, the first one probably like a six. Well, um, you, you heard what I would so give. So if a jump, maybe if the jump's similar, I mean, if, if this is an eight for me, that's very pretty good. Yeah. I, I, that's probably about what I would I just, say. I just feel like aesthetically and sort of presentation, it's going to annoy me too much. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it will. Like, the 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 frisson of all that is just anno- irritating to me. I understand that completely. Cinetype says in Deus Ex: Human Revolution, there's a poster for Final Fantasy 17 on one of the off 27. Um, when and what do you think that title looks like? Is no more still dictating the types of story. I think by then they will complete be completely untethered to the Final Fantasy 7 fan. I think at that point they'll be like, you know what, that yeah. doesn't matter anymore. Like it's too, it's been too long. No. Like. Yeah, and it, and Final Fantasy is too reactive to current trends. To I mean, sixteen is obviously a result of Game of Thrones and serialized television. Yeah, uh, seven people forget this, but having just rewatched the series, it reminded me all over again. Seven exists because of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh yeah, Evangelion. Oh yeah, the influence is there. Everything, <laughs> but th- I mean, this this yeah. game is very much from that show. Yeah, I agree. Um, yep. And like it's why Cloud is a reluctant protagonist. It's why everything's about childhood trauma. It's why, every, yeah, it's why everyone's asking yeah. me if I'm going to finish the game. <laughs> Everybody wants to know. Um, Johnny Hurricane, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. I hope you're doing good. I haven't seen you for a while, man. I hope everything's going great in your world. Also, one of our biggest supporters, man. Thank you for everything that you've done for us through the years. Um, yeah, are you going to finish it? Are the summons impressive? AJ the Legend Watson. So, how the summons work in this? It's a little different. So it's just like everything else in the game. So you're hacking away with the square button and you're building meters that you don't really see. And then if you hit X, you go to that little menu that pops up on the bottom left hand of the screen and you can go through all the options there. And what happens is your summon eventually just becomes one of those options there. When you start getting close to be able to use it, a meter will appear on the screen to let you know, like, hey, you land a few more attacks, you're going to have your summon, which is appreciated because obviously your summon is really powerful. Now, one thing I will say about summons in this game is that they're unpredictable. So you summon them and they show up on the battlefield and they just kind of do whatever they want. There are commands that you can enter every once in a while. I think you have to fill up like your ATB gauge or whatever to issue in a command to to the summon. But the summons aren't big. Like, the bosses are bigger than the summons in this game. Like, they're these kind of little mini-boss kind of dudes. And if you instruct them and try to tell them to do stuff, they will, but it's hard because they'll, a lot of their attacks are just, like, on a point. And so if the boss moves and you tell them to hit, attack that point, they miss a lot. Now, one thing I will say is if you can hold on until their timer runs out, when their timer runs out, then they perform their big, crazy attack, and that will do tons of damage. There are lots of boss fights in this where, at the end, I had my summon running around the battlefield with me, and I was like, had a couple pixels of health left, and I'm literally just trying to survive until the summon meter drains and they do their crazy attack. There's lots of stuff that happens like that in this game, where you're just like, I can't get my ATB gauge, I don't want to run an attack again to build up my ATB, please summon, please just run out of time. There's lots of moments like that in it. So anyway... The summon in this, summons in this aren't this like over-the-top elaborate thing that happens once and then they're gone. They come to the battlefield, they roam around the battlefield and fight alongside you unpredictably, and then once they run out of time, they perform their big, perform their big super, and then they're gone. So that's kind of how the summons work. And I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there are were times where I I'm prefer, like, man, I wish I, I could just... them as a smart bomb. Yeah. Like, you can be more strategic with them that way. They're more mm-hmm. unpredictable this way for sure. Um, so anyway, that's kind of how they work. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else you guys got if you have anything else. Obviously, this is one of the biggest games of the year here. Well, no. But... Well, this is definitely one of the biggest games of the year. Biggest game of the quarter, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we don't know what else is coming out. It might, more, that might be more of a comment on the year. 93 is a high Metacritic. Yeah, but it's not going to sell particularly big. Nox Aetonitis. That's the key reason I can't get into this game. The world is nonsensical. And it is. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's like that in this one, too. Like, again, you really have to turn your brain off. The overarching plot makes sense. But those little stuff that happens in between, you're just going to be like, what the actual F just happened? Like, scenes end, and I'm just, like, staring video. off into space. I'm like, what just happened, man? In summary, two down, one to go. Let's get on with it, guys. <laughs> yep. So, there, I guess there is only one more of these coming, Matt? Is that right? Yeah, that's what they said three. They said yeah. Three. So it makes sense. You got the first one in Midgar, the second one in the open world, and a third one with the airship. Yeah. Those are three very different approaches to the game. I think game. that was a good place to split them. Makes sense. Yeah. Like once you see kind of like with the way they did this when you're like, okay, I see what you're doing. Like the third one with the airship, you're going to be basically you're going to be able to move. You got to travel around the whole city in the first one. You travel around the whole, whole continent in this one. You mm. travel around the whole planet in the third one. Yeah. Sure. Like, okay, that's a build. I get it. Yeah. And base level. You're definitely get your money's worth with this game. There's no doubt about it. Now, I would argue there's not too much incentive to play it again. Like you can't play it differently enough to well, where you can like play when they do the, do the integrate version right here. Right. Yeah, they which they will. I'm sure. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's what <laughs> also Yuffie is annoying AF. She may be the worst Final Fantasy character ever created. Thank God she doesn't really show up until later in the game. <laughs> she's pretty close, man. She's in the mix, but she's doesn't beat some of those thirteen people. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, there you go. Or That's, like everybody in 15. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I say if you're a Final Fantasy fan, get it. I also say if you're right on the cusp of enjoying the last remake, you should also get it. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about the biggest event of the week. Nintendo had a Direct this week, um, but it was not a Direct for its games. It was a Direct for third-party games. And as mad as it turns out, it ended up being a direct for like every console. Like this wasn't even like third-party games that were exclusive to Switch. These were just third-party games, and as it turns out, almost everything in this direct is coming to all the other platforms. So that's the first thing I want to get out of the way before we start going game Except by game. Except the most important one. Which one's that? The last one. Oh, okay. That was that's a Nintendo property. Yeah, right. And there's nothing they can do about that for sure. No. Um, but for the most part, most of the games that we're going to see today are multi-platform games that are coming to other consoles. So in a lot of ways, this Direct was kind of like a foreshadowing of like all the games that are coming out over the next like six months. But I was right. That's why Phil didn't want to name the games. Yep. Because this is where they were supposed to do that. Yep. So we wondered why Phil Spencer was like, four games are going multi-platform, but we're not going to tell you which ones. And we kind of guessed that that means that they're going to be shown in the Nintendo Direct. That, in fact, was the case. Um, the first thing they did. Yeah, probably the biggest the story. Yeah, probably the biggest story from this that I think most people care about are the games, the Xbox games that are coming to Nintendo Switch. We kind of knew already. Actually, I was kind of surprised by this, Matt. So, Grounded and Pentiment are the two games that are coming to Switch that are Xbox games. Mm-hmm. To me, the most obvious game that should have gone to Switch was Hi-Fi Rush, and it's not going to Switch. It's going to Xbox and PlayStation. Which I found interesting. Like, Hi-Fi Rush, to me, is right in the Nintendo wheelhouse. Makes me wonder if the Switch couldn't run it. Maybe. Because there is a lot going on. There is. I mean, you don't have to sell shading fool you. Yeah. But Grounded and 
Pentiment are both coming, and they're coming really soon. Like um, arc was a shadow drop, basically. Yeah, basically. The next day or something. Yeah. Yep. Um, but they're not just coming to Switch; they're also coming to PlayStation Four, yeah. PlayStation Five. Um, both Honestly, of these the games. big like you know the big thing for for like the change in Microsoft for this one was the Rareware reveal. Yeah. Yep. That was the one where you're like, oh, like we're back. Pretty much, Nintendo yeah. and Rare are buds again, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's start going through these, though. Uh, for me, probably the biggest game that was shown in this, as far as general interest for everybody, was South Park Snow Day. They had a release date trailer for it. Um, the game is coming out on March 26th, so it's coming out here in just a few weeks, which is kind of crazy. It is basically a cooperative, blood, a bloody cooperative horde mode game that you play with your friends that's set in a snowball fighting, basically. But it's a, basically a cooperative game where you're taking on waves of enemies from the South Park universe with your buddies. Um, it is also coming to pretty much everything. It's coming to PC, PS5, Xbox Series, and Switch. Again, it's coming out on March 26th. Are you excited for this game at all, Matt? I will never play this game. Really? Do you like South Park, actually? I don't think I've ever talked to you about that. I, I mean, I watched it when it started, but like I haven't paid attention to it in 20 years. Yeah, sometimes I've I fallen wa- off. Sometimes I watch something. If someone says, this is one episode is really good, you should see it. So, I mean, put it this way. To me, Butters is still a new character. <laughs> I'm kind of there with you. And he, he, and he joined the main group in 2001. Right. So <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you, actually. But I am kind of excited for this game. I mean, it's different. It's not that it's really... South Park doesn't matter that much to me. It's more that it's just a cooperative snowball fighting game. It's just, you know, something that we've never really played before or got a chance to try out before. So, well, except the N64 game pretty much did. Yeah, there was snowball fighting in that, where yeah. you're just hitting pelting turkeys with snowballs, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. So there is a little bit of a pedigree there yeah. for South Park, which is kind of funny. Um, but again, this is coming to pretty much everything out on March... 26th um next up if i can find the b-roll here or maybe i don't have it unfortunately let me check real quick so we had a problem we figured out that one of our issues we had last week is that our external hard drive is dying and so things are either not transferring like they're supposed to or they're borked when they get transferred so we're working on that and we did in fact have the trailer for this um matt what are your thoughts on epic mickey I think it's great. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was gave it? it. I gave it a five out of five. Oh, you actually. did yeah. for the first one first or the one. second for the first, first one. one. Second one was a downgrade. I thought. Yeah, it didn't. It was still good, but it I, didn't I thought, push the envelope. I just I love this game. It's, it's again, great. and when it came out, incredibly innovative. Something yeah. that had never been done before. It has a crazy like painting mechanic in mm-hmm. the game that a lot of people I think got, have forgotten it's just, about. It's steeped in history of like the both Mickey and Disney in general and Disneyland itself. Like there's, it's it you know it, I I thought it was great. Yep, this is a remaster called Disney Epic Mickey Rebrushed. It is coming to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, both Xboxes, Switch, and PC. So it is coming to pretty much everything. It's coming this year. They did not give a hard date. Is this the same trailer that came out back in the day? It's very close to it's it. It's yeah. very similar, isn't it? Yeah. Just, just done with the new assets. Yeah, and it looks obviously way better. They didn't really show any in-game stuff in this trailer. They showed some stuff. Do they? Or I saw something else. Or maybe I well, maybe, I, I, maybe I just saw a video of it separately. Maybe. I definitely saw him running around filling platforms. Oh, okay. The, the, I must have missed that. Stuff. Yeah, this trailer is actually pretty long. It's like a three-minute, almost a four-minute yeah, long is not, trailer. This is not what I saw. I saw. I mean, I watched the direct on and off, I guess, and I saw this part. But no, there's definitely later in it. He just jumped. He, there's gameplay. Okay. I'm going to actually jump through this. Because I remember watching it and thinking, like, how are they going to do that without the Wiimote? Interesting. But I'm, you know, absolutely do it without the Wiimote. <laughs> I'm... I'm 
That was my one thing. I, I mean, you can tell that I love that game if I got past the motion controls. There are some clips. It was kind there of mixed was full in screen there. video of it. I, oh, really? It was full screen him platforming around. Like I don't know where it was later on. Yeah, this trailer I think is all CG though. Yeah, the, in the in the direct itself, it they showed gameplay. Okay. I definitely saw gameplay. But this is one of those games that a lot of you may not remember because it did come out a really long time ago. It's kind of one of the feathers in the cap for the Wii early on. Uh, but you're right. Like you don't really need motion controls for this game. No. <laughs> you never really needed motion control for you need this another game. An, you need a second analog stick, which the Wii you didn't have. Right. So it's one or the other. Yep. Uh, so there you go. That's Disney Epic Mickey Rebrushed. Next up, a sequel to a game I never thought we would see, Endless, Endless Ocean Luminous. Mm-hmm. Also a Wii game. I always thought that it was a first party game, but it's not. Nintendo owns the IP, I think. Yeah. they farm it out to other yeah, Arika, I think Arika is the... did them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Endless Ocean. Yeah, like, a lot of people do. It was a, definitely uh, a cult hit for yeah, sure. This is Endless Ocean, uh, Blue World, and Xeno uh, Blade were the two games I got Dolphin up and running to play. Oh, interesting. Because uh, like the resolution and performance were not acceptable to me on the Wii, so yeah. I, so I put those in. So yeah, I'm 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 shocked they're making another one of these. Yeah. Uh, it's basically and a they, mellow scuba and diving it was game. their one more thing on that. Yeah. It's like really? I mean, I, I mean, like talk about <laughs> in like, the weeds. This, like this game being here raises this directs like letter grade a whole letter grade <laughs> for me. Like I don't expect anyone else to care, yeah. but I'm super excited that they're doing this. Great, yeah. and there's like prehistoric creatures and mythical creatures. Like awesome. Yeah. Great. The More original was this like and this. Aquan- but now, now, Sony, Aquanauts Holiday 4. Let's go. Let's do it. Scanning sea creatures. Let's yeah. have it. The original game was like this laid-back, cozy <laughs> scuba game. Yeah, you could call it that. Yeah. You just kind of chilled and just swam around and discovered stuff and, and, and scanned. and cutscenes that should not have been that long. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> gone around, yeah, just going to different places and yep. look at the sea life and found a little treasure. It was this a one, lot of fun. Allows 30 players to play at once online. Yeah, that's talk about something I never asked for. Like, <laughs> that didn't even look very good in the in the footage. It looked like it chaos. Looked really bad. And it launches on May 2nd, so not long to yeah. wait. All these games, by the way, are supposed to be coming in the first half of 2024. Just so you know. Um, and then Matt brought up that Rare is back on Switch. Well, on Nintendo Switch Online, anyway. Mm-hmm. Five Rare games were announced for Nintendo Switch Online, including Killer Instinct, the SNES version, not the yeah, N64 not the version, or the arcade version. Uh, Battletoads spinoff, those are both SNES games. Snake Rattle and Roll, and RC Pro-Am for the NES. RC Pro-Am Classic. And then, a little-known N64 game that is way underrated, Blast Core. Have you ever played Blast Core? Oh, I played a lot of Blast Core. That game's great, man. Like when I when I'm when I'm late for something, I will actually hear in my head, "Time to get moving," because they used to say that. That was part of that song that played when you were in your prep menu. I only played that game because it came out around launch, and like the thing launched, and there was nothing to cover. Yeah, I played it because I was in college. I remember I got it because it was very little else to do yeah. really at the time. So I got it. And my roommate loved it too. Like we played a lot. We could never get the dump truck to work right. Like where you're supposed yeah. to kind of make it like drift through like things because the back yeah. of the dump trucks yeah, yeah. destroy stuff. Um, no, Blast Core is great. It's underrated. Yeah, so you should check it out if you're an Nintendo Switch Online subscriber. Um, those five games of those five. I'd probably play three of them again. Um, I would play... I would probably not play Snake, Rattle, and Roll. Definitely the others not. are good. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Rare 
It didn't take long for Rare to reappear on Nintendo platforms as soon as Microsoft cracked mm. open its walled garden. You know they're out there trying to figure out that GoldenEye license. <laughs> I mean, probably. I mean, not even joking. No, like, that would, that would, I'm sure that would get a lot of subscriptions. Yep, yeah, absolutely. You get, that's the next. You got to get the next level subscription to play in 64 stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to get, like, you can't just have, like, the 20 a year. You have to yeah, pay the 50 pay or the, 60 the or whatever. Yeah, I think that, that would be quite a, that would be an incentive. It would be. Play, it'll playable online and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It would be mm -hmm. pretty big. Yep. And probably make some money for Microsoft as well. So we'll see. But as of right now, this is a pretty good start. I mean, Microsoft announces it's going to release some stuff yeah. third party. And three days later, I mean, we get a bunch Gold, of rare games. I mean, GoldenEye is obviously a licensing issue. But I mean, if you can just get freaking uh, Banjo out there. Yeah. Like, that's another good reason to up your subscription for that. If it's you true. don't have those. I mean. Yep. yep. Um, and then Some next, of us kept all those cartridges. We don't need to do that. That's but. true. Yep. Uh, and then next, a new Monkey Ball game. Matt, I, I got a little nostalgic watching this trailer. I have no real affection for the Monkey Ball games. Uh, what I was gonna, what I was getting at is that I remember when Monkey Ball was a big deal. It was a big like deal. a new Monkey Ball would be announced, people would celebrate. Now it's like a non-event. Nobody cares. I won at the GameCube launch night. I won a raffle for a free copy of a game, and I picked Monkey Ball because yeah. the only one I didn't. Already, already have, have or, ordered or whatever, uh, and I and I was like halfway cared about. I've never opened it. Oh. It's still it's still downstairs <laughs> sealed on the shelf, <laughs> and not worth a lot of money, unfortunately. And everyone was so irritated. <laughs> you could feel the animosity of the people around me that didn't win, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll pick that one. Like, That's funny. Um, so this one is a Switch exclusive. It seems like all Monkey Ball games are Nintendo exclusives now. I mean, it includes over 200 new are stages. Are exclusives or is it just the only people The only who people who will them. pay, yeah. say, going to make them? Yeah. There's 200 brand new stages. There's 16-player online play, which in this trailer sure. looks like complete mayhem. It's literally 16 monkey balls rolling on the same course. That kind of sounds awesome. That might be actually mm -hmm. fun. Then there's four-player co-op, and there's a bunch of cosmetics that you can unlock for your monkeys because everybody wants that. Where's Monkey Ball 99? <laughs> Seriously. 99 monkey balls <laughs> rolling down the F-Zero course. Yeah. It launches June 25th of this year. Um, so it's either this or uh, Elden Ring, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say... Choose they, your weapon. They made a big mistake, but I really think the overlap between those yeah, two... Yeah, not a huge... <laughs> not a big Venn diagram there. It's, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of overlap between those two fan bases, so... Or even if there is, you clearly... You could probably justify both of those things. Yeah, yeah. You're not replacing each other. Yeah. But if you are a fan of Super, of Super Monkey Ball or Monkey Ball in general, like, this looks like a really good entry. Like, 200 new stages, 16-player online, 4-player co-op. Like, that's pretty damn good. So, if you are a fan of Monkey Ball, that's one to probably keep an eye on. Uh, next up, Monster Hunter Stories is returning. So, Monster Hunter Stories 2, both you and I liked a lot. Um, the first one Other was... Other than the Monsties. Yeah. Thing. The first one was different. It was more of like an adventure slash turn-based RPG. Mm -hmm. And it was a 3DS game. I think it came out for yeah. iOS eventually as well. Mobile, I think. Maybe. I mean, it makes sense that they the, first, the second one was a hit, so they want to put the first one on it. Yeah. And sure. Um, and this one is coming to PC, PlayStation 4, and Switch. It will include refined graphics, a brand new museum mode, which you're seeing right now. Perfect timing with the B-roll. And it will also include content that was only ever released for the Japanese version of the original game. Mm. And it is coming again to PC, PlayStation 4, and Switch this summer, uh, 2024. Not too excited about this one, Matt. 
No, but it's nice that people who are super into it can have both of them on the same platform. Yeah, this will be more of the definitive edition to go on and mm -hmm. go forward with, and then I have to go back and work on it again. It's hard to go back and find working 3DSs these days for, it is. for decent amounts of money. Yeah, it's true. That stuff's really skyrocketing. It's kind of crazy, actually. Mm -hmm. I didn't really didn't see that one coming at all. Um, I have a lot of GBAs from Japan. Those don't seem to be climbing in value as much as the 3DS. They're worth something, but they're not worth as much yeah, yeah. The 3ds is kind of because 3ds is everything yeah that's, that's the trick i was surprised by that actually i really thought also depends like the the, the, the like the sp gbas are worth the ones that are not um you know, clamshells they, they don't have the backlight the yeah they don't have the backlight they're hard yeah. to play they're, they suck to play if you go to like flea markets or like those games you know retro game stores or like frankincense and stuff all the GBA, the original GBAs you see they're all modified for that lighting with that lighting thing yeah that, nobody wants them otherwise interesting Okay, well, there you go. That's Monster Hunter Stories, again, coming to other platforms besides Switch. Um, and then next up, Shin Megami Tensei Five Vengeance. Um, it is a reworked version of Shin Megami Tensei Five. They're calling it the complete version. However, it's far more than that. It adds a new chapter, a new storyline, and a bunch more. It launches June 21st, 2024. This was also, by the way, a Switch exclusive at one point. Not anymore. This new version, Vengeance, is coming out for both PlayStations, both Xboxes, PC, and Switch. They also said that this expansion is so big that it will nearly double the length of Shin Megami Tensei V, which is insane! It's already way too long. Those games are already way too long. They're just There's like Persona. There's some consternation around the fact that you can't import your save. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Work without... But they said you will be able to import three demons of your choice from your save on the original five. Okay. And I'm like, that just feels like you're being a dick. Right. Like, like you could have <laughs> like, done it, but we're just going to do a little also, bit. Also, you can't bring all your demons. Just pick three. <laughs> like, yeah. choose wisely. Yeah, it's, it's like, really wise. I mean, that's it's actually very funny, but like yeah. you shouldn't, you shouldn't be trolling the customers like that. I mean, it doesn't matter too much because only if the Switch has that problem. Mm. But it's just it's a little weird, right? This game was a disappointment. Um, I never played it. Remember, it was shown when the Switch was debuted. Yeah. And then every game came out that was in that debut, except for that game. And then, like a year later still, before the game finally mm -hmm. came out, it releases. It goes out with a whimper. No one really cares. Now they're trying it again. I think on, they're on trying to platforms. recoup their money. Yeah. They're trying to make money off of it. They're like, man, we put it. And I'm sure Nintendo. I, think they, I mean, I think they will probably find better luck on the PlayStation. Maybe. Maybe. Um, and then the final game. Oh, everybody just got Persona 3 on there. Maybe, That's true. Too busy. Yeah. And then the final game we're going to discuss, although there were a bunch of others. There were tons, actually tons of games in this, but the ones we're going to discuss. There was a lot. There was like that one little... There's a little montage, like a two thirds of the way through. They just showed a bunch of like random indie game things. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. I don't know what song they played there, but that thing was a banger. I don't. I, like, I, I don't like remember that. that was, they were playing like this kind of like this little like like uh, synth electronic song, and I was like, "That's pretty good." Like Ooh. I don't know what that's from. I miss that. Good stuff. The last game we're going to discuss is Star Wars Battlefront Collection. Mm -hmm. Now, Matt, when I first saw this, I thought it was like EA Star Wars one? Battlefront, no. like the first one remade, like basically no. carved down so it would work on switch as it turns out that is not the case that is not a bad assumption here though yeah but, but no there's no sequel content that's how you know it's not <laughs> the new ones and as it turns out it's not it is the first two battlefront games from pandemic mm -hmm. that released in the early aughts co collected together um with some new stuff is there yeah a <sighs> couple new characters a couple new levels yeah 
And my guess is those levels were probably already there. I believe the at least the Jabba Palace one was just it was never. It, I think it was made for three and never released. Like oh, okay. they're they're using uh, content that maybe was planned for Battlefront three from Pandemic and never got finished. Is there any value in this for you, Matt? Tons. Oh really? These are way better games than the recent yeah, Battlefront. This the Pandemic Battlefront two is the best Battlefront game. Yeah, I've heard and a lot of people say that. Generally, everybody agrees with that. Yeah. Um, just the fact that it has Galactic Conquest in it, the fact mm-hmm. that this is going to be online again, you know, because you can still play this stuff on PC. Like they're they're all functional on PC. Uh, I think both of them are backwards compatible uh, for the original Xbox on Xbox One and then Xbox mm-hmm. Series X. Um, but having nice remastered ones that look like a little better. Um, not this doesn't look great, but it looks better. Yeah. Oh, and, way better. <laughs> I mean, um, night and day better. On uh, on PC, it pretty much looks like this. Oh, it does. Um. But like, yeah, I mean, the fans love these games, having them back and working without microtransactions. And I mean, there is a certain segment of the fan base, not me, but a certain segment of the fan base is going to like the fact there's no sequel stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm just happy to I'll play Galactic Conquest again. That was yeah. my favorite thing. In, yeah. In, the, in that game. I wish the new ones had that. Definitely a bit bit of a, a fan cult around those games, mm-hmm. for sure. People were excited to see it. And look, you might as well keep something out there. Keep reminding people that Star Wars video games exist. Because mm-hmm. they're... You know, Otherwise... Taking a while. Yeah. Yeah. And there you go. That's the Nintendo Partner Direct for February 2024. Matt, what letter grade would you give that Direct? I'll give that like a B minus. C plus for me. Yeah. I'd say C minus if Endless Ocean wasn't in it. Yeah, it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it's mostly like has been games, reworked games, refurbished games. Um, yeah. I first, think that's going to be the Switch's year. It kind of feels that way. Yeah. But and again, Ocean, what happens Ocean. if that's what we get for the first half? What are we getting for the second half yeah. of 2020? Endless Ocean was a nice, nice yeah. surprise. Yep. Um, never would have bet on that one. Nope. Never, like, never. I never thought we'd get a sequel. That wouldn't even be my top 100 predictions <laughs> for nope. this year. I, Definitely not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I give it a C plus. You give it a B minus. I think that's pretty mm-hmm. fair. Um, and I'm guessing, well, we already mentioned there was a Pokemon Presents that happened earlier today. My guess is the next Direct will be first party stuff. Yeah. I would think so. I would imagine it'd be closer to April and maybe laying out a little bit in the second half of the year. I wonder too if maybe we get our fir- the first mention of Switch 2 or whatever the sequel to Switch I is. Yeah, me too. I think the first mention of Switch 2 will now be in Q3. Q3 or maybe the Game Awards even. Maybe. I think Nintendo would rather control that message themselves. You don't think at Naughty 3 maybe we might get a rumbling in June? Yeah, I think that's too early too. If it was coming coming out this fall, yeah. Yeah. But not anymore. Not anymore. Yep. Okay, there you go. That's the Nintendo Partner Direct for February 2024. Next up, we're going to talk about a game that we teased last week. It was our Sneaker of the Week last week from New York Sneaker Society. That game is Unicorn Overlord. Um, We probably could have given a Sneaker of the Week again because this game is also starting to take off in the lexicon among games journalists and the the streams that we swim in on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. Everyone's talking about this game. However, Matt, they're, and they're talking about it because there's a demo available, and it's, a, it's available for pretty much everything, and it is a beefy demo. So the first thing I'm going to say is if what we show and talk about here today on Game Phase strikes your fancy, go and download the demo and play it for yourself. Um, first thing I'm going to say, Matt, is I'll be honest, I'm a little disappointed in it. Did you get a chance to play it? No. So... It is a turn-based strategy game. Basically, it centers around this kingdom that comes under attack. The queen sacrifices herself to save her kingdom, and she sends her son, the prince, with her knight 
to take him away and keep him safe. So the knight takes him away to a faraway land. She is uh. killed by the marauding army. And then he grows up awaiting for his ascent to the throne. As luck would have it, one day in the village that he's living in, the same people who killed his mother show up at his village, and it's on. And that's kind of the plot of the game. You're the prince who these people had killed your mother. You're on a quest for revenge. And also to finally ascend to the throne and become the king of the kingdom that you were forced to leave. And that's kind of the plot point. The... The way the game is, the story is told is by these semi-static screens where there's just like two enemy or two characters standing there on screen with text bubbles. This is about the the full thrust of the cinematics that you're getting right here. This opening cinema um, that shows all this stuff off. Once the game starts proper, there aren't a lot of cinematics. Um, Vanillaware doesn't really go in for that. No, and even the ones that are there aren't amazing. Um, Here's what, and that's fine. Somebody really likes Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. This is all about, this whole thing is Lord of the Rings slash Game of Thrones. Like, Mm. you can see where its influence is on it. The writing in this is very, very good, by the way. Um, Definitely the translation, whoever handled the translation for this, should be hired by a lot of other Japanese developers. They've done an amazing Mm. job. I saw a lot of complaints about it from, like, the weird, there's a weirdo contingent of uh, fans of things like this. That think all translation should be exact word for word. Oh, and the direct the Japanese director of this actually popped up and was like, "These translations are great. What are you talking about? Like, like they shouldn't be direct word for word." He's like, "He's it like, wouldn't make tra- sense." Well, he actually brought up uh, Final Fantasy Tactics back in the day. He was like, "They tra- there was a there's a group in there called like the Knights of the Order of the of the of the Northern Wind, the Ho- but that in Japan that's Ho- the Hokuten Knights." Uh. But to but and he's like he he cited that as an example. It's ridiculous that in English they just translated it as Hokuten Knights because that doesn't tell an English speaker what that is because Hokuten means like Order of the Northern Wind or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he's, so, but there was enough room to put it. But then he's like they didn't even try. They just put in this word that nobody understands. That's not that's bad localization. They should be changing it to make to fit the way like an English speaker is gonna and like. The fact that like the, the the director of the game had to step in and say that in the wake of all these weirdos screaming that like they changed one word from the translation for, on Google Translate is hilarious. <laughs> the the translation this is incredible. The writing is amazing. It is one of the things that stood out for me more than pretty much anything, other than the big surprise to find out that Matt, this is a turn based strategy game where you'd never get a turn. Hmm. The combat in this game is automatic. You do not, once the fight starts, you don't do anything. You just sit and watch. It's all about... That feels built for mobile. It does a little bit. It's all set up for you to handle the strategy outside of combat. Try to give Mm. your units the best chance of success. Send them into battle and cross your fingers. That's pretty much how the game plays. Interesting. Yep. Um, The other thing, too... It feels like an idle... RPG. A little bit. Most of the gameplay in this takes place in the overworld where you're this little dinky unit moving from one point to the next. You can see right here. You can't, because this whole game is 2D, you cannot rotate Mm -hmm. the battlefield. You cannot get a better look. If your units are anywhere close to each other, good luck trying to get the cursor on the unit. It's interesting because, like, like when I was watching the trailers of these, like, I kept being reminded of Dragon Force uh-huh. on the Saturn, yep. which is all you also can't control the battles. Yeah, you control where they go and who's in what army. Yep, and then you can kind of you can control like charge or hold or use special ability, but generally once the fight starts, your units are gonna deal with themselves, and like 
like I, I Dragon Force is one of my favorite games of all time. Oh wow! Well, um, then you may love this. So maybe I will, maybe that's good news for me. I don't know. We'll we'll see how nitty gritty it gets. Because one of the things about Dragon Force that makes it great is it's really simple. Okay. Well, this is so. Each the other thing too about it is even though you don't participate in the battles, the battles only last like one or two rounds. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they only last one. If you manage to kill the, the enemy in your first round, it only lasts one. And then sometimes it gets to the second round, and neither side dies, but the team that has the that has taken the least damage wins the round anyway. And once you defeat an enemy, they're not actually defeat defeated. They get knocked back, and then you have to attack them again to finish them off. And granted, the second time they have less units, so it's easier to knock them off the second time. But it's a different way to play the game. So you defeat them the first time, they get knocked back a couple units. Then you have to decide whether you want to rush in. Because enemy count in this is everything. If you get sent into a battle where you have two units and they have four, you're done. You have no chance. So a lot of the strategy in this game all takes place on the overworld. And to be fair, they do give you the tools to kind of make it strategic on in the, the sort of overworld area. Um, the first thing is, and I wish the B-roll were there right now instead of just showing combat, but like there is strategy in the overworld. So like, for example, you have the overworld and there's like nodes and like each node is like a hamlet or whatever, but there's also nodes for like bridges. So you can garrison in a location. And once you garrison a location, you can then spawn units from that location. You can also garrison at like choke points at like bridges or whatever that let you hold the bridge and it gives you buffs and better offense and better defense once you've garrisoned into those places. So a lot of this game, as I said earlier, is setting yourself up for success, but you also need to monitor what is going on. If you send out a unit like to a far ways and he engages, and as that unit engages, another enemy unit shows up, you're like, oh, that unit's gonna get destroyed because now it's four against two units. You can like send in your paladin all the way from across the map to come in and intercept those guys before they get to your enemy that's or your uh, unit that's in peril. That's kind of where the strategy comes into play. Using the garrison... It does ab- sound like Dragon Force. Okay. Using the garrison ability to set up strongholds where you can spawn enemies mm-hmm. from, and then using the different movement ranges of your units to cover the asses of some mm-hmm. of your other units that maybe can't travel very far, but pack a, a bigger punch. Yeah, Dragon Force, it's all, it's all real-time. They're slowly walking across the map, but uh-huh. it does sound like okay. there is interceptions. You do have to think ahead on that. But here's the question that as soon as I as soon as I found out that like I didn't control the battles, the first thing that came to my mind was, well then the game knows who wins the battle before the battle starts. So I'm like, what's the point of the battles at all? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that can't be right. And then sure enough, I get the little bit part and they're like, you don't have to watch the battles. The battles mm-hmm. don't matter. They're like, you can watch them if you want to. Yeah, it's just rolling dice. To like, right, to learn like why you lost, but otherwise, mm-hmm. like you can just skip them all together. You never have to watch a battle. Yeah. Also in Dragon Force. Okay, so you if may really like If you're like confident that you're gonna win, you can just skip it and see what happens. Yep. There's other levels. So like, you do level up in the game. There's like eleven different stats, but those all increase automatically. You can't manually set those. Um, when you're out on the battle, out on the open world or the uh, overworld area, you can hit triangle and you can adjust formations. And that's another important part of the strategy in this. So also in dragon. Okay. Like so I, say like an enemy. I wonder if that was intent. If this is maybe a thing they were doing. Yeah. So maybe the enemy has a pole that you can mm-hmm. stab. Yeah. In this, if you're aligned in a line, that pole will go through your first unit and stab your second unit as well. 
Mm-hmm. So you need to look at the enemies, figure out what weapons they have, and then you can reorient your party so that they can't be taken advantage of, basically. So instead of having them in a line, you have them standing side by side. It's nice that in the fantasy medieval setting, she was able to find a really tight turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> and a bustier. Where'd you, where'd you get that, Mervyn's? <laughs> um, what else is there? Um... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Eventually, you also get these things called valor skills. They're basically your special attacks, but they burn valor points that you have to earn by doing other things in combat. In general, because of having to travel to save your units, the paladin in this game is just insanely powerful. Yeah, it's totally Dragon Force. That's remarkable. Oh, it's the same? I'm, like, the, the, pick the thing, click the thing. They walk slowly to the thing. They engage. They do the, uh, that's Dragon Force. Wow. That's, that's... Well, there you go. You may have you yeah, love this I'm, game. Yeah, I'm into it. Yep. Um... But again, I mean, it's one. The Dragon Force is one of those games where I'm like, it's one, it'd probably be my top ten of all time. But wow. I wouldn't expect anyone else. I wouldn't make anyone else play it. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. And matter of fact, yeah, that's funny because yesterday, yesterday I actually found. Um, I didn't know this. It's been around for like almost ten years. But like, somebody, they, somebody did an English translation of Dragon Age Four or Dragon Force Two. Oh. Which. Uh, Came out only in Japan on yeah. Saturn, and I I have it, but I never played it really because it's you know very hard to play a strategy RPG in drag, Japanese. Yeah. But I was able to patch the thing, and oh, wow. now I can play Dragon Force Two, and maybe I have to postpone that when this is coming out. Yeah. Now this game is gorgeous. Like yeah, it looks I love great. the art in it, the animation. I love everything about it. I've always liked Vanillaware's art. This is definitely the best they've ever looked. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, and there's also a report system in the game where you build a rapport with your party members. The demo doesn't go far enough with that to explain how that actually works. Um, so I don't know exactly how it works. I just found it in the menus. And then really my biggest issue is that, like, it isn't such a big deal here in this battle that you're watching now. But as you get farther into the game where there's, like, 15 units on screen and you're trying to figure out, like, hey, where'd this one unit go? And you can't see them because they're behind another unit. And you have to, like, fiddle with the stick to get the cursor exact it starts to get really annoying. Um, this is one of those games that maybe I would recommend playing on PC. I did struggle a little bit playing it with the, with the controller because, is it again... Is on PC? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. It's for both PlayStations, Xbox Series, and Switch. Yeah. And I don't see how they're going to solve it. Again, all the graphics are 2D, so you can't rotate the world to like mm-hmm. see behind a guy... You just have to fiddle with the stick until you get it on the right guy and you see basically the right abilities pop up that you're looking for. And that gets a little bit annoying. I can definitely see the fiddly just even in the yeah. way it's working. Also, the, the yeah, the way the cursor, like it mm-hmm. overcompensates point, 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 a lot point, yeah. and goes too far over the units. Um, like I'm already imagining how many times I'm going to pick the wrong unit yep. and, and attack the wrong people. And, if you get impatient, you, that I will happen. Impa- I, I do get impatient. Yep. Because it will show you. It'll be like, oh, this is it. Oh, it'll say this is a unit. These are mm-hmm. the unit stats. But if you're just like willy-nilly selecting and trying to fight, yeah, you're going to pick the wrong guy sometimes. Um, and then there's other strategies that come into play. Like um, <laughs> Those guys do not look like they want to be there. Nope. Yeah, well, the the paladin in this game is just he just destroys. Like he, he has a crazy range; he one hits pretty much everybody. And I'm guessing that this is just for the demo um, to make it easy. No, you, I mean that Fire Emblem does that too. You get like a powerful a veteran guy early on, and then something happens to him. They usually and, die. Yeah, and you have to be on your own. Yeah, because <laughs> he also he is the knight that took you away and saved yeah, you. So he's dead. He, he's mentor, gonna die. mentor <laughs> superpower mentor paladin guy is dead he's, meat he's on a hook. Good as dead. Dead yeah. meat on a horse. Yeah. So anyway, but that's pretty much it. I played the demo for a couple hours. Again, it is available on every platform if you want to give it a go and see. Um, it 
impress me and in you, some you ways. You can carry the progress over. Yeah. It impressed me in some ways, because it does start from the very beginning of the game as well. Mm-hmm. It impressed me in some ways and disappointed me in other ways. I had really high hopes for this game, though. As you guys know, if you've been watching Game Face the last few weeks, or even... You know, when we did our fantasy draft, like I what was kind of think it was going to be more of a like a Final Fantasy Tactics. I thing? thought it was just going to be more like Fire Emblem, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a different take. I, think I, I definitely thought it was going to be more like Fire, and I I thought the battles would definitely have menus. Yeah, <laughs> but like, well, there's no grid. Like a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff that you associate with this subgenre just isn't there, and some people may like that. But for me, mm-hmm. I prefer to have a little bit more control over combat. Um, but still, a gorgeous game. It is unique. You know. Between Matt and I, who've been playing games for a long damn time, we struggled to find other games to compare it to. We found one. Yeah, so I can, I, yeah, two, because there's two. Well, Dragon there's a sequel. Yeah, exactly. So I can think of two games yeah. in 40 some years. Yeah. So. Yep. So I guess there's a little bit of Langrisser in this, too, but not. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. Um, and again, the game comes out. Let me get that for you again. It is 326, I believe. Is that right? Mm. You know, three eight. Sorry, yeah, it's coming it in like in like a week and week. a half. Yeah, it's coming. It's on March eighth. Again, it's coming to both PlayStations, Xbox Series, and Switch. Um, and we'll see. That is one of the games that you drafted for your fantasy team. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think it might get a little bit of a boost if they hand it to the right editors. Yeah, it's going to really matter who reviews it. Yeah, it'll, like, it'll some make people difference. are going to be like, "What the hell yeah. is this?" Like, <laughs> I kind of was like that last night. I'd never guessed that you wouldn't be able to control the combat in this. No, that is surprising. Yeah, I was surprised by it. Um, so anyway, there you go. This Unicorn Overlord coming very, very soon. We'll talk about it again on Game Face in the not-too-distant future. Um, and now it's time for, if I can find it, a word from our sponsors at New York Sneaker Society. <laughs> What's up everyone, Shane here, and one thing you may not realize about me is that I am a total sneakerhead. That's right, I've been collecting Nike sneakers since the early 90s. My favorites are Air Max 95 and Air Max 97. Now, one thing that's different about me from your typical sneakerhead is that I actually wear the sneakers, and because of that, they can get dirty. And that is where New York Sneaker Society comes in. Using their advanced shoe cleaning products, I turned an old pair of Nikes that looked like this into this. With their cleaning products, your sneaker life can go from a year to five or more. I know that I have shoes that are like 30 years old that I still wear because I've cleaned them. You can also lower your carbon footprint, haha, by keeping your kicks looking fresh. For my daily drivers, I also appreciate New York Sneaker Society's Refresh Spray to keep them smelling great and staying crisp. Head to nysneakersociety.co slash sifted to clean your shoes like a pro at home and get 10% off your order. That's right, that's nysneakersociety.co slash sifted for 10% off. That's right, people. Don't you dare go buy yourself a new pair of shoes. You go and get yourself a cleaning kit at New York Sneaker Society and they will save tons of pairs of shoes that you have in your closet. A lot of shoes that you've written off, you will be shocked at how new they look after you get yourself a cleaning kit from New York Sneaker Society, go to nysneakersociety.co slash sifted. Make sure you use that URL if you can so they can track that you guys are coming from us. Um, again, I have already saved two pairs of shoes and now I'm starting to dig a little bit deeper in my closet. I got a bunch of shoes that are just like buried in shoe boxes that I've collected. Like I'm a big collector of Air Max 95s. I have like eight or nine different pairs of those and a lot of them are just buried, but I'm now I'm like, okay, Maybe next weekend I'll do the project of digging the stuff out of my closet to get my shoes out of there. But again, I'm starting to wear shoes that I haven't worn for like seven years. 
All because I got that kit from New York Sneaker Society. So go do it. It will save you money. And you will remember how you love a bunch of your old shoes. And with that, it's time to talk about our sneaker of the week. Matt, this was totally inspired by you and your discussion last week about mm-hmm. a little game called Bellatro. Bellatro. Which is a roguelite poker game mm-hmm. i have to admit that i watched b-roll of this and i really had no idea what the hell was going on <laughs> like i was like okay they're playing poker but like what is this what, what's yes. so what's happening is so you see it has the small blind score at least 300 chips yep you have to play and then down here you have four hands to play and you can discard four times so you have four mm-hmm. hands in which to play these things for points and you get that number of points in the blue, and then the, the multiplier is in the red. So 280. So you get 20 more points. You're going to get that, no problem. As time goes, between every one of these blinds, there's there's a small blind, a big blind, and a boss fight. Mm-hmm. Boss fight always has a weird rule. It's all random. Okay. Um, sometimes it's like any card you used for the previous two fights doesn't count. So You a, can't use it. So wait, how does the card battling work with poker, though? Uh, you just get points for whatever hands you're playing. Oh, okay. And then uh, you're not playing against anybody. Not playing it. You're trying to get a score. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. You're trying to beat the three twenty-eight. Yeah, the three with your hand, and you have only one hand to beat the three twenty-eight. Four hands. Or a cu- okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And then you can buy all these cards. So planet cards upgrade the points and multipliers you get for a particular hand type. So that he just upgraded two pair. Okay. Uh, jokers are permanent rule changes that go up in that top slot with zero out of five. Those all upgrade that, so that you can get like multiple. You know, there's one that's like times eight multiplier every time you play a heart. So okay. you'll just keep popping that. I had one that it's uh, extra multipliers every for every joker other joker card you had. So when you had a five jokers, you were times fifteen for every right. hand. Right. Okay. Like that's great. Uh, then the planet cards upgrade the hands, and then there are tarot cards which can upgrade your cards to be different special cards. And you can also do packs of regular cards which you can get special cards out. So there's like, do they try to microtransaction you for no, cards? No, 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 that's you spend the money you win in the previous match. Okay, the previous cool. Blind. There are no, this is a $15 game with no online component. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, and then you can, so the stuff you buy between build this, builds the deck. So you can get cards that you can add more cards to the deck. You start with a standard group of 52, but you can get tarot cards that let you destroy cards. You can destroy uh, lower lower number cards to like not get them as much. You can add, I, at one point I had four king of diamonds in my card, oh. in, my, in my deck. Um, so you're more likely to draw high, you know, face cards because they're worth more. Right. Um, you can make them special. So there's glass cards. Glass cards have a chance of giving you times two multiplier but they might break there's okay. a chance they'll break there's stone cards which have no suit but they just give you 50 chips if you play them okay there are bonus versions that you multiple add multipliers uh you can upgrade the numbers of the cards you can have them give you multiples of other things you can uh have joker bonuses of chips and stuff it's just all the and it depends what comes up it's all random yeah so and you can go through um you're trying to go through the ante of there ante there is one of eight in the action and so you have to go th- each ante is or into ante is a round of the three fights. Okay. And you can skip the blinds if you want, if you're confident, but you're not going to get the money for right. winning them, right? Yeah. Um, huge variety. In, I mean, there's all any kind of variant or whatever you can think of, it's in there. There's jokers that give you bonuses for skipping stuff. There's jokers that give you bonuses for nothing. There's bo- jokers that get more valuable every turn, every time, every game you play, so eventually they're worth so much money, you just sell them okay. and get money that way. Um, you get you can get interest every time you win it, every time you finish the round. You get interest for every five dollars you have already. 
Okay. So there's, there's incentive to not spend all your money every time. But if you don't spend your money, you don't get new cards. And then, like, you'll get up to, like, the blinds get up to, like, 40, 50, oh. 60,000 chips. So you got, you're got you hitting a point where you have to be scoring 10,000 points every hand. Right. Um, and it's great. It gets... And, there, and there's some of the rules. I, I had a really good run last night where I dominated until the final boss of the the eighth ante and the rule was you can't play the same hand twice oh so i could and i never i, I so i played two pair because i had high high aces and kings and then i played a full house of queens and jacks and then i played one pair and i kept discarding to try to get better card i never got better cards like the final hand i couldn't even play anything i was all i had was a full house and i'd already played a full house huh. so i lost oh wow and like that was it but so like, it's very random you can unlock new decks which give you it's like there's a blue deck that gives you plus one hand every round so you can get five hands instead of four there's yeah. one that gives you an extra discard so five discards instead of four there's ones that like give you bonuses for this bonuses for this suit and then like you can unlock them and get bonus ones that like you let you play with it just clubs or like what it's all it, there's any variety you can think of is in here and um and uh so in the hot take and there, there, there's you can do seed runs so established run you can save the seed and give it to other people to try to play it themselves um, there are challenges and different color challenges that I haven't even unlocked yet because you, you have to beat an ante to do that first and I haven't been able to do that because it's so random like right. you just don't know um, but I will say that the, the hot here's the hot take <laughs> this is a game of the year candidate wow 100%. people are really talking about it like all week long this is, this is yeah. one of the best things I've played in years yeah a lot of people are hyping it man like again it's our sneaker of the week our New York Sneaker Society sneaker of the week it's a game that's like really creeping up mm -hmm. um, if you if you I mean I think it's on us about everything I'm not right it's yeah I, have it on, I got it on Steam because I found it because it was a demo on the, the Next Fest yeah and I'm like what the hell is that like just same, same thing you do I'm like what the fuck is that like, I couldn't tell what the hell I was looking at yeah and I'm like oh no this is really good like <laughs> Like, I was up till 4 in the morning playing wow. the demo. I have friends that have 14, 15, 20 hours on the demo. Wow. Just the, not not even the full game. Yeah. And it doesn't, the demo actually did import my progress. Oh, good. So that was That's nice. cool. Your unlocks and, and, yeah. and things like that. And you unlock new jokers that can pop up by doing various things. And, you know, like, I got one, unlocked one last night for beating a boss in one hand with no discards. Oh, okay. So just one hand, one hand, played one hand, killed it one, got a new Joker that can pop up in that market whenever, whenever randomly. So it's Bellatro, fifteen yeah. bucks. Fifteen bucks. I think it was less before launch. Maybe it's still on like yeah. Steam discount, but yeah, fifteen bucks. So you highly recommend it. Do you really need to like poker to enjoy it? No, because uh, yeah, you, you're not a big you, poker guy. You need, I'm, I play poker. A you lot. play, but. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a hardcore like crazy person yeah. because I'm not a gambler. Like a lot of but them I, are. But I like poker. <laughs> I do too. But like, I mean, you you need to know poker hands. Okay, I and would that's say it. that's gonna if you if you're not able to look at your hand and know what you have, you're gonna and which one is better than what. You're gonna have to, not that you have to beat any hands, but you knowing, can just get a little card that'll teach you that. Yeah, like, I mean, it'll yeah. tell you and it'll tell you what you're gonna get if you select it. Yeah. Um. Actually, one of the best jokers I've ever gotten is the ability to uh, play a flush or a straight with only four cards. Oh wow! It was a, you know, I could play a flush or straight with only four cards, and I had another joker that added it gave me a certain amount of chips every time i played a hand uh -huh. and it, that number of chips it would give me every time went up by four permanently every time i played a hand that was only four cards because you uh. don't have you don't have to put down five you can put down two or three or as long five, as you have you a hand as long as, or just high card put yeah, one card yeah. to get high card oh, okay um so i was just playing two pair and you know four of a kind and four four you know i, I do straights and flushes with just four from yeah. that other joker 
And by the end of that, that was the really good run. By the end of that run, that one card was giving me 212 chips every single hand. Damn. Okay. I see how it And works. you get that other joker that gives you 15 times multiplier for yeah. having five jokers. I, that's why I was winning so well. <laughs> but um, Awesome. So that kind of thing. Every once in yeah. a while you get this a run where you're like, I've got this crazy setup. And like I, I'm I'm invincible, and then the boss comes and is like, uh, "No, we have a rule that specifically counters this thing you're doing." And you're like, "Fuck <laughs> you!" So it's super addictive. It'll cool. keep you playing forever. It's it's great. It's awesome. great, great, great. Okay, it's called again Balatro, which took me three days to remember. <laughs> but I don't know. What I, that I means. have to keep looking at the paper yeah. to remember it. <laughs> yeah, when, even but you know, before last week's show, because I knew I wanted to mention last week's show before I came up to to up here, I pulled it up on Steam on my computer. I'm like. Balatro, because I don't know what that word means. Me either. But, I have uh, no clue. Uh, probably a better. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it means Joker in Italian. Maybe. Or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. That's Balatro. Highest, highest possible recommendation. Yeah. Our sneaker of the week for Game Face episode three seventy eight again. Brought to you by New York Sneaker Society. Go to nysneakersociety.co slash sifted and get yourself a cleaning kit. And with that. Unfortunately, we're going to have to cut our final game from today's show. I was right. Show. Bellatro was a jester in ancient Rome. Oh. That's, that's, that was Italian, sort of. Yeah, very close. Latin. Yeah, you I figured mean. it out. Uh, we're have to cut our final topic from today's show. We just run out of time. Uh, we're going to discuss Pacific Drive. Which I played that 17 hours this week. Are you kidding? It's coming back. So I will now get a chance to play Pacific Drive because I was on Rebirth. Now you'll get a chance to play Rebirth, and we'll come back next week, yeah, and we'll cross the street. I think an hour of Final Fantasy Rebirth is enough. <laughs> okay. Um, Both so, on the show and playing the demo for yeah. me. So anyway, we're not going to be able to get to it today. We'll talk about Pacific Drive in next week's episode. But before, before we go, to cap things off, it's time for... That's right, it's time for Name That Game Tune, where I play you five auditory clips from a video game, and you try to guess the name of the game. Matt, do you want to play this week? Sure. Okay, let me get the audio mixer set up, and get your volume turned up so you can hear the audio clips. A couple things to keep in mind before we get going here. There's a few rules that we need to play by. First of all, you can only win once in the year. So you've already won this year, do not play. Let somebody else play. Um, you must play PC games, because if you win this, if you beat Matt, you will get a free PC game. And by the way, that is also supplied by soundwizardry.com. Um, so you win a free game. So if you don't play PC games, don't play. Don't take the, the game code and just never use it. Now, if you have a friend who plays PC games that you might want to give it to, that's totally cool. We're totally fine with that. We just want to make sure that the codes go to somebody who's going to use it. Um, and then the final thing is the chat goes into slow mode. So you can only get one guess every 60 seconds. Do not spam the chat with your game guesses because you're going to lose. You're, you're going to hear a sample. You're going to be like, I know what that is. You're going to try to type it in, and you will already send in your message. You won't be able to win. So those are the three rules that we need to play by. And again, we play each sample one time. Do you think that's working out okay? I mean, people are winning. Know. so people, people got it. Yeah, so. so I think it's working out all right. Um, but again, we have five samples. They are less obvious until they become very obvious. Though I know for a fact, the last sample of today, somebody will get the game on it. Guaranteed. So we want to make sure that you peep that people win. Um, but Matt is standing in your way. Um, let's see. Let's get everything up here. 
Ready to play? Are you ready, Matt? Yeah. Are y'all ready? Here comes the first sample for a name. Oh, wait. I need to turn up the audio on these very quickly. Because otherwise they're kind of hard to hear. And I want to make sure everybody's on an equal playing field here. Okay. There we go. All right. Here we go. Here is the first sample. Mix things up a little bit this time using mm -hmm. some sound effects and some game audio. Let's see if anybody has a guess. Assassin's Creed Black Flag, no. Prince of Persia, no. Witcher 3, no. Banner Saga, no. Shadow of War, no. No guesses, Matt? No. I... Oh! Cartoon Tom mm. got it! Damn, dude! How are you guys are just too damn good? Cartoon Tom wins! It was Horizon Forbidden West! Yeah, like I mean, now that you say that, I'm like, I'm like yeah, that is that that like sad. That's insane, music. Cartoon Tom, dude. You you deserve another applause for that. That is just mind-boggling that you got that. Whoa, man! Like I played Horizon Forbidden West for like 80 hours. I would have never got that ever. I mean, there there's so little defining anything in there. Cartoon Tom, let us know. How you got it? What was it about that sample that clued you into what it was? I have, I am flabbergasted. I recognize the instrument now that he says that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That, sure that, that instrument plays all the time in that game. Yeah, I just didn't, I didn't place it. That's insane, man. I never dreamed. You, you don't want to hear the other clips? So I got four more. I'll play here. Mm. All right, here's the second clip. I'm guessing that Cartoon Tom's typing that in right now. Here's the second one. Here's the third one. That one I You would have got it from that one? Here's the fourth one. They get pretty obvious here, the last two. Yeah, that one's pretty obvious. Because you can hear Ashley Birch. Right. And then the last one's really obvious. I'll handle this. Yeah. She might as well just have said Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> Congratulations once again, Cartoon Tom. That is amazing, man. I, I am really just blown away that you were able to get it from that. Just really, really incredible, man. Um, really cool that you were able to get it. I was, I thought we'd get to the third one. I knew the third one would give it away for people who really knew the game. But then a lot of it depends on like who's in the chat. Like, are they, you know, all that stuff matters too. And what so. sticks in your head? I mean, that's you know, people. There are people who can pick out instruments of anything. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's going to do it for Game Face episode 378. Once again, congratulations, Cartoon Tom, for winning. Send us a DM here on Twitch. You can send me a DM on Sifted. You and I go back and forth pretty frequently. You know how to get at me, and I'll get you your free game. That's awesome. Um, if you want to support us, head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D. We are pretty much supported 100%, especially now that like our old subscription system got all screwed up. Um, with the hack, pretty much everybody that's left now is at our, is at our Patreon. Uh, so head on over there if you want to support us. Um, if you don't have any money, 
You can still support us in a bunch of different ways. You can even just review the show on whatever podcast service that you're listening to it on. That makes a big difference for us. You can like the show on YouTube. You can subscribe. You can leave comments on YouTube. All that stuff helps the algorithm and helps us bubble up to gamers who might like our show. Um, All that stuff matters. Also, if you do have money, you can help us out by subscribing to us on YouTube. It's not as good a deal as you get at Patreon, but it's still a pretty good deal. Our tip, our uh, monthly charges are pretty much lower than everybody else's around the interweb. So uh, thank you, Matt, for another awesome show. Thanks to all you guys for making this show better. Congratulations to Cartoon Tom. And a big thanks to soundwizardry.com, by the way. Um, if you're looking for any kind of auditory work, make sure you head there. They were working on a big game project. You couldn't even tell me what it was over the last week or so. Um, they are making it happen at soundwizardry.com. So if you have any audio work that you need done, make sure you hit them up. So, Matt, have yourself an awesome week. You guys have an awesome week full of awesome games. It'll be interesting to see you all on the site to see which of you guys decided to pick up Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and what you guys are all talking about. I'll be here waiting. So have yourself a great week. Enjoy all the awesome games. Game Face is up and out.